Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the NSAA High School Baseball Championships from Werner Park in Omaha on Friday, May 17th. Catch the Class C game at noon Central, Class B game at 3.30 p.m. Central, and Class A at 7 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Good morning. Hopefully we're acting right here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers. 50-50. Yeah, that's, so which 50 are you, which 50 am I? Are you <laughs> We'll have to we'll let, we'll let everybody else out there decide. We'll have to figure that out. I'm Ravi Lula. That's Andrew Rogers. We're you know what I mean? So we better act right. We are live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, as well as ESPN Tri-Cities in central Nebraska. Shout out to all our central Nebraska peeps out there. We've got a Twitter, YouTube, all the things. Mm-hmm. All of the internet things that you can think of that are, you know, age appropriate. You can find us there. <laughs> that are in a reasonable realm. Yeah, the the what's the SFW, safe for work places on the <laughs> right. internet. That's where you can find us. Um, if you wonder what uh, Andrew and I do before we're on the air. So yesterday we were trying to recall from memory pretty well, I might add, the 2011 Texas Rangers mm-hmm. for, I mean, for obvious reasons. It's the last I Rangers. Had a, I had an advantage yeah, because your the Cardinals, Cardinals played against there. them. So um, I knew five off the rip. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, so we were, you know, Rangers made their Mm -hmm. their first uh, World Series since 2011. So, obviously, we have to, you know, just try and remember, just name random baseball players from that Texas Rangers team. Uh, This morning, Andrew, we're sitting down, and he goes, you know how bad that 2013 NFL draft was? (laughs) And so, he starts reading names, and uh, for some reason, I was like, you know, it'd be fun for me to just see if I can – Starting rattling off the colleges. Yeah, positions and colleges from where all these guys uh, were from. And I was killing it, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, that I can attest. I Yeah, so that's what the <laughs> that's what the off, sh- the off hours of the show looks like. We're like those two old guys that just sit around naming 90s baseball players. And we go, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. he was good. He was good. Uh, that's basically what happens in the breaks, which – uh, personally, I love that's <laughs> just sitting around naming old sports things is one of my favorite pastimes. Sometime or, or someday, at least, we're going to have to come in and do the Immaculate Grid because you've been talking about it for a while now. And yeah. that like would fit right into what we do in the morning. It does. Yeah, they're tricky, though. They are. They're pretty. Some of them are pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, they're time consuming for sure. But if we are. time like if we gave ourselves 10 minutes or yeah. something like that. We could probably get it done. The other thing we could do is one of us could do it before the show to get a score mm-hmm. and give ourselves a time limit, and then the other person can do it live and try and figure out if they can beat the score. Ooh. Maybe we have a new game for okay, Friday. Okay, okay. Maybe we have a new game for Friday. Let's type this down <laughs> because we will forget about it. I, we will 100% forget about it. We're a little bit uh, like goldfish there. Um, coming up on the show today, we've got a great – program lined up for you we've got our guy brian christopherson at 8 a.m from husker. oh my gosh yes from yes husker 24 7 that was a weird clip i don't know <laughs> if i like that Shane. uh we've got andy kendy from ketv at 8 30 uh new guest this morning at 8 45 andy clausen from the uh wtl podcast it's a betting podcast we'll talk about uh some nebraska and big 10 betting with andy there and then the entire 9 o'clock hour, special treat for you today, the entire mm-hmm. 9 o'clock hour, our very own Avery Howard will be in studio Avery. Uh, talking uh, sports mostly, but also we're going to play the Guess Who game. 
yep. which I am excited about. Which to, So let me explain to you yes. what I was trying to explain over text. Because you texted this to me, and I was like, I'm sure it's not as complicated as it sounds, but when you said that, my mind felt like the first time I watched Interstellar, and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> so you came in with a celebrity or an athlete or somebody today, right? Yeah. So you have somebody on the brain. Mm-hmm. You don't share that, okay? I'm not going to tell you. So Shane, Avery, and I mm-hmm. will try to guess your person. Okay. But we have to alternate asking questions. Okay. So if I go first, I would say, is it a male? You don't say yes or no. Like At the time, you'll say yes yeah. or no. If you say yes, then I have to guess a random athlete or celebrity mm-hmm. that's a male. Okay. Okay? And I would say... Taylor? <laughs> Keep going, Shane. That's not on my brain. Devontae? No. Um, Kenny? Yes, Kenny Pickett. That's who it was. And you would say no, unless it was Kenny Pickett out of the, the crazy the circumstance. Yeah. And you'd say, oh, my gosh, You're what just happened? So then Shane would go. Yeah. So he knows he's a male. Yep. So Shane's not asking that question, too. Shane's now going to ask, okay. is he an athlete? You'd say no. So it's a group effort here. Right. Okay. It, but you have to remember everybody's. But whoever gets it right gets a point. Or we're going to play for people that call in because we have UNO hockey tickets to give away Ooh. today against Ohio State on Friday. That's a big matchup. So when are we playing the game just so we can let people know? 9.30 is the game. So if you want to play, you'll call in. You'll attach yourself to a personality on the show, mm-hmm. whether that's Avery, Ravi, myself, or Shane. Whoever's giving the clue you can't obviously Choose. be with. Yeah. But if that per- if say Ravi wins for my prompt, then you win out there. So you're betting on one of us. Correct. Okay. If we, if so it sounded a lot more complicated did. over text. Uh, if Shane's world's any indication, I don't know if anybody will be betting on Shane. Mm-hmm. But Don't blame Shane. It's also, you know, it might just, it's not naming Adam Sandler movies, so he might be okay. <laughs> That is true. Oh, come then, on, Shane. Unless the prompt is Adam Sandler. And <laughs> if that's the case, then Shane is that would, screwed. That would be mean. Well, may, maybe. Uh, uh, maybe. Uh, so that's what's coming up on the show today. Uh, good stuff for you. A lot going on. Uh, the Diamondbacks punched their ticket to the World Series. Yeah, that was a great game. Um, I, I thought for sure Yeah. that Game 7 had Phillies written all over it. I did, it. too. I really did. Um, you know, Coming in, you have Ranger, who was unbelievable. And, and that's not to say that Fat wasn't either. But Ranger is like a postseason pro. Last year, he was fantastic in the postseason. This year, he was unbelievable in the postseason. I just thought that the Diamondbacks would have a really hard time in front of that crowd, too, in mm-hmm. Philly to um, put together hits, to, to, to rally in an inning, to get guys on base. And it showed to be a non-issue for them. Yeah. Uh, the, the, they took the crowd out of it right away. I remember it, it was either the third inning or the fourth. I, I think it was the third because I was completely shocked when I saw it that the, that the Diamondbacks had seven hits already yeah. in, like, the third inning. Uh, that, to me, was like, you know, the, the, the instant, hmm, maybe I should second-guess my pick coming into tonight. <laughs> Even though I think the Phillies were up 2-1 at that point. Yeah. Seeing yeah. how well they were, they were um, seeing pitches against Ranger Suarez, mm-hmm. I thought to myself that th- this could get dangerous. This could get yeah. nuts. And then the Phillies, 
I think we're feeling a little bit of the same because they had guys warming up in the third or second and then sat them down. Same guy warming up in the third. Let's replace Ranger. Oh, now we're going to actually have Zach Wheeler come into the game at some point because we got a guarantee that we're going to put zeros on the scoreboard. It was almost as if the Phillies didn't trust their bullpen as much as the Diamondbacks did because when they pulled fat, it was all relief pitching. Mm -hmm. Relief pitching this, relief pitching that. And Paul Sewald is, I mean, talk about one of the best closers in the game and coming out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, pitching for the Mariners earlier this year, <laughs> getting traded. Now he is the closer on a World Series team. Uh, he was projected to be behind Munoz in, in Seattle this year. Right. And now he's the, the, the main guy, the focal point of your bullpen. Doesn't it always kind of seem – it seems like the best closers kind of come out of nowhere. Like, it seems like one of the harder things to predict. I mean, every mm -hmm. once in a while – Unless you just, you're one of the top three. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, it seems – and even a lot of those guys that end up being in those top spots, they kind of have strange career paths a lot of times. Like, um, I think, like, was it like – I know he's not one of the top guys anymore, but, like, Kenley Jansen mm -hmm. was a catcher for uh, coming up. True. And then he just – they're like, oh, maybe you should pitch. Um you have guys that are kind of like washed out starters this is going back a little ways, but like Eric Gagne, terrible starter, becomes like the most dominant yeah. closer of that era in like late 2000s era of, of, of Major League Baseball. It just seems like there's a lot of just randomness in terms of where these elite uh, elite arms come from out of the bullpen. And, and it's probably a lot of like bullpen's usually like not your first option pretty much ever. Sure. Right? You know, well, you like, want to be a starter. Right, you're a yeah. pitcher or if you're a position player, like you only come out of the bullpen yeah. when you play 12-year-old baseball and you're the shortstop on the team yeah. and you're like, "Hey, we need another arm. You're going to go in." Right? And so it's it's kind of a strange it it's sort of a strange position in the sense that you almost have to, and it's a very, it's a very baseball-y thing. You almost have to fail before you can even get to the position where you're going to succeed. Well, Rick Ankiel was a perfect example of that. Well, yeah. So, I mean, the dude just—he's a really good pitcher. Gets the yips, goes back mm -hmm. down to the minors, becomes a position player, and has a nice long stretch as a position player after several years in the could minors. Do is hit the backstop. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then he ends up just mashing for a, mm -hmm. a handful of years. It's just a very strange, like the. Finding guys that are confident in the bullpen, because that's what a lot of the closing is, right? Like a lot of guys throw 98, 99, 100 now. That's not that. Well, and that's, and that's half the battle. You have to be able to do that in order to have a roster right. spot on teams. And so, but, but most of the guys on the rosters have that ability, right? But there's still a bunch of dudes that you just don't want anywhere near those high leverage situations. And so, so much of it is mental, but you're dealing with guys in bullpen arms that have already failed at what they were trying to do. For the most part, right? Mm -hmm. Most guys don't come out as ready-made closers. Even guys that you draft from college in that role, sometimes that's kind of what you're going for. But usually, those are later round draft picks and stuff like that. It's just a it's it's a thing that fascinates me because it's not one of those positions that you sort of like pigeonhole early. You know, almost every other position, whether it's in baseball or basketball, football, whatever, you pigeonhole that person in that position early and figure out like hey we think they can be this so let's let's kind of prepare them for that you know you hear coach rule talk about it a lot of, of like preparing guys and putting them in situations to be successful bullpen arms almost the exact opposite you put them in a position 
They had to have failed to end up there in the position now, and then you need them to be wildly confident and successful to have any chance of winning in the postseason. It just It's such a super strange dynamic to mm -hmm. me. TK on YouTube is regretting cashing out his Diamondbacks World Series bet. Oh, no. Yeah, he can't be doing that. You, oh. And you know what? I'm not a, I'm not a cash-outer. If, 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 that doesn't shock a lot of people. No, you're riding with it? Yeah, I'm – oh, hands down. And I don't, I don't really get a lot of bets out there that have cash-outs. Okay. Because the bets that I do or, or place are so wild and insane you're winning. that – if I parlay three guys to score goals in a hockey game, mm -hmm. well, it's so rare that this guy's going to score a goal in a hockey game that they're not going to offer a cash out because the odds of that happening already is like 12%, sure. like 15%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's even worse when I bet on a guy to hit a home run, which I did <laughs> bet on Alec Bohm to hit a home run yesterday, product of uh, Omaha, Nebraska. That's right, Omaha. Yeah, can you believe the uh, Huskers did not recruit him out of college uh, or out of college, out of high school? Yes, I can. He went to Wichita State, yep. and now he is what? Oh, um, the third baseman in Major League Baseball. There is a uh, there's a there's a proud tradition of Nebraska not uh, previous staffs at least not recruiting uh, high quality Omaha talent and yeah. them ending up at various places including wichita state but it is funny though going back to our point about um just the mentality you have to have uh this late in the postseason you look at what the rangers offer and you look at what the diamondbacks mm -hmm. offer and you would have to just think on paper you have to lean the rangers direction sure the diamondbacks are so young so young yeah. they are so so young and that's not to say that oh my goodness yes they have you know, Cattell Marte and Zach Gallen, and I don't really know how old Merrill Kelly is, but he sounds older than he, he probably is. <laughs> I think just because his name is Merrill. Right. <laughs> uh, but they're just a very young baseball team. Yeah. And then you look on the other side of the spectrum, and you have guys that have been there before. You have Nathan Avaldi. Yeah. You have Max Scherzer. You have Corey Seager. Um, you, I, I could probably just keep, keep going off this list. Well, and the other thing about – I mean, the, and so they're, they're also kind of the – the total opposite ends of the spectrum and how they're built, right? I mean, Diamondbacks, homegrown, mm -hmm. young guys, just coming up through the system. Most of these guys haven't gotten paid yet in terms of their big major league money. And then the the Rangers are pretty much all second or third contract guys. They, I mean, they were. This was a terrible baseball team two years ago, and they're like, "Hey, we don't want to be bad anymore. We're going to bring in some dudes," and they mm -hmm. committed to it. And I give them credit for that, committing to being a winning franchise. And they spent a ton of money to put this team together, and it's done exactly what they paid for. And they for. did it at the deadline, too, when they got yeah. Jordan Montgomery. They Bring added in, starting yeah. pitching. They like were this, this is a team that if you, had to, if you were playing the show, mm -hmm. the video game, this is a team that you would build. Absolutely. This would not be a team that you wait 21 years for. No. In order to get back to the World Series. Yeah, this is, this is a uh, very Yankees-esque type of roster, especially in like the late 2000s. I mean, it's it's a Dodgers roster of a few years ago. Yeah, Dodgers is a good example, a more recent example, yeah, of just a team that they're like, hey, let's just let's just put this thing mm -hmm. together, right? Um, and, you know, I, I know a lot of people get kind of up in arms about like the building versus buying mm -hmm. and stuff like that. The fact is, most teams, you've got both, right? You've got guys that were, were 
brought up through the system and guys that you um, you 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 get in free agency or trades or whatever. But honestly, and I know this is super hypocritical. Hypocritical. As long as it's a team I don't like, I really don't care when people buy their roster. <laughs> Like, when the Yankees do it, I'm like, oh, you bums. You've got no development. You've got no farm system. Mm -hmm. You're taking the easy way out. And, you know, but if the Red Sox were to do it, I'd be like, man, great. Yeah, great, great move. Great, great move. GM. <laughs> what a, like, when they brought in J.D. Martinez and, you know, they're bringing in, like, back in the day, they bring in, like, Josh Beckett. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm, I'm like, yes, absolutely. What a terrific move. That's how you use the farm system. You go sell them off for known commodities. I love it, right? But Yankees do it. Astros do it. I'm like, oh, what a bunch of bums. <laughs> yeah. I, I may have said that once or twice when the Cubs won the World Series, but they were pretty homegrown to be. A lot of them with. were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they they got some they add they like they went and got pieces. a role this Chapman yeah. and uh that was just such a crazy deal because they gave up Glaber Torres, who was their number one prospect for a guy for half the season, who ended up going back to the Yankees right after yep. that. Uh, but they did get their World Series, so that's all that matters. Yeah, right? you would be trade everything. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Like, you know, there there there's these trades that happen and you're like, oh man, you gave up this this guy and that guy and whatever, if you get the guy that helps you win a World Series, none of that matters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the Rangers, too, y you have Adolis Garcia who is just playing out of his mind. <laughs> I said Anybody could have had. I said this yesterday. Is he not Randy a Rosarina? Yeah. Like, that's that's the same hype that he's carrying yep. through this postseason, that when he steps up to the dish, you think he's going to do what Randy Rosarina did two years ago. Yeah, you think he's going yard every single Was time. Was that two years ago or is that last year? Good Lord, it all everything runs together at this point. I would say time has no meaning to me anymore. I think it was two years ago, but I could be wrong. Oh, I should have looked that up ahead of time. It's all right. uh, but no, well, Adolis Garcia, 2019, DFA'd by the Cardinals. 2020, yeah. DFA'd by the Rangers. By the Rangers, yeah. And then picked up again. And everybody let him go. Everybody's just like, no, we're cool here. And then he comes back. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a, the, the, the waiver system in baseball is so strange because – you see these guys that you would think, hey, everybody would want that guy. I mean, this is, again, a long time ago, but there was a point where the the Red Sox waived Manny Ramirez at one point, and no one picked him up. What year was this? Like a like year of age for him. Do you know? He was. It was still when he was like In good. his prime? Yeah. It was early 30s, okay. I think. So I want to say it was 31, was it 32. When he, was it when he cut off a throw it, from center field? It was like peak weirdness, too, <laughs> as well. So in his prime, but also prime Manny Ramirez weirdness. So that's t fair. But he also had a big contract at the time, and he legitimately just passed through waivers, and everybody's like, no, we're good. And they're like, well, I guess you can come back to the Red Sox then. It was the strangest thing. I think they were trying to create – like so I, not roster space, but you know they wanted to clear right. some money off the books to to sign somebody else. But it was a bizarre time. You know, Manny Ramirez not only killed my childhood in Boston, but he also killed it in Los Angeles. Oh, what did because, he do in Los Angeles? Uh, when he was uh, with the Dodgers. Yeah, no, I remember um, that. But. I went to the DS game, I believe it was. Oh, I'd have to I'd have to look up what year, but it was the year that Matt Holiday missed the fly ball that pretty could have like could have sealed the win for okay. the Cardinals. Do you remember that when he got hit uh, close to the no-no square? Was it was that what it was? I don't remember. No. He tried to no. like basket catch it and oh. uh, just completely blundered it, right? Yeah, okay. That's and, oh, um, man. I mean, there's 
uh, I believe the the Dodgers came back and and won that game. I, you know, I'm trying to think back into uh, into the long term memory storage <laughs> unit of my of my brain, but I can't I can't think of it exactly. But I'm pretty sure it was somewhere around like the twenty. 2012, 20. So he was in, or he was in, 2014. He was in LA from 08 to 10. Okay, so then it was way before. It was probably then yeah. like nine or something when when Holiday had that play. Yeah, because Holiday came over to the Cardinals in like 07, right? Somewhere in there. Um, sorry, I'm typing in. I think his drop. I think Matt Holiday came to the Cardinals in like 07. I want to say. Because I remember him in that – I remember him in, like, the – 2009. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Manny Ramirez is a – that was a weird dude. Mm -hmm. NLDS, game two, 2009. I was at the game. I, c I could tell you, like, where I was seated, too, <laughs> in Bush Stadium. But I couldn't tell you the inning or I, I couldn't even get back to that date. Uh, when did you say – oh, you were asking when Holiday came over. It was about that time because he was uh, he was in Colorado um, and – was he an Oakland guy too? Uh, Holiday, yeah, yeah, he was Oakland first, I believe. I think he started in Oakland, mm -hmm. then Colorado, then St. Louis. He went Colorado, then Oakland, oh, okay. then St. Louis. Okay, so he came over in two thousand and nine. Uh, but Matt Holiday was really good for the Cardinals. Like yes. one World Series with the team. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, he was, he had, was very good. Had a lot of good seasons. Uh, Twenty ten through twelve and. Then 15, I think he was an all-star. So he had a lot of great – his most productive seasons came with the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, so they uh, – just to, to land the plane on the Manny Ramirez thing, they waived him in 2008, um, which was towards – he was mid-30s, but he was still pretty productive at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and then they ended up trading him later that year. But, yeah, he uh, – yeah, Manny Ramirez got waived just outright, and everybody was like, no, we're cool. Like the waiver system in baseball is, is totally nuts. Hey, we're fine. It's yeah, it's it's a very strange. I mean, guys get like rule five draft. Like Johan Santana, who was one of the best pitchers in like the mid to late two thousands, mm -hmm. was like a rule five draft pickup because nobody protected him. It was. I mean, baseball's wild. It is wild. The number the the places that you find stars is is insane. Um, coming up next what do, what do we want to talk about next we've got some things uh the michigan thing keeps getting weirder how about the, the let's tease this the newest piece of information which may be even the craziest yes. piece of information also arch arch manning might not be good <laughs> yeah, we'll maybe. do that and more coming up next you're listening to hurt at sports radio there, there's some guys back and there's some new guys i mean the quarterbacks the quarterbacks new um our running backs are, are the same. I know they they moved. Uh, I think it was number three last year. He was kind of like a like a slot wide receiver guy. Put him in the backfield. Now he's strictly a running back. So uh, they have good they have good personnel. I mean the uh, number four the wide receiver is dynamic. You know they got two tailbacks that I think are going to be some of the best we played. Um, I mean uh, uh, quarterback obviously he's a he's a tremendous athlete. And you see when he gets a chance to get in rhythm and throw the ball distributed, he's 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 really talented. So um, we got to make sure that we we know what we're doing and we we know how we want to do it and then turn those guys loose to let them go play. Here we go on a Wednesday. Heard at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me as well. 
We were talking before the break about some uh, about some interesting things going on in college football. <laughs> uh, is that the maybe that's the best way to put? Let's start with Michigan. Okay, <laughs> Michigan keeps getting weirder. Yeah, this whole situation, the update is so much bigger than you would expect yeah. for a story that's as ongoing as, as it's been over the last week. And it felt like we kind of had our arms around it in terms of like what actually kind of happened and stuff like that. And then yesterday uh, they dropped the update of, okay, it wasn't just a Big Ten deal. He was buying tickets to SEC title games mm-hmm. and to Clemson and Georgia and, and a bunch just, of – Just teams in college football playoff contention. Yes, basically, yeah. Basically anybody that looked like they were a – college football playoff contender, which is funny because yesterday you're like, hey, you know, they didn't do it against these teams. And that, and at the mm-hmm. time we didn't think so. And you're like, and you could tell. <laughs> which makes it even worse which is that hel- you bought tickets to Georgia. Which is hilarious. And then did you see Kirby Smart's comments yesterday? Yeah, I think he's like, yeah, we blew the barn doors off of him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's like, yeah, there's nothing I saw in that game that would lead me to believe that. <laughs> he was like, yeah. Hooray! Didn't look like they had scouted us at all. Well, and it goes back also to what Dion said yesterday of him saying, like, you still got to beat the team. You yeah. may know everything that they're doing, but you still got to beat them. And that also just shows how how strong of a team Georgia is and oh, has been yeah. over the last well, know, handful yeah. of years. Their entire defense plays for the Eagles now, so that's nice, mm-hmm. I mean, for them to have had that in college. But it, it is funny because you you have the game plan and you still got whooped. Yeah, well, yeah. You have everything. You have everything in front of you. You have the answers to the test, and you still failed. You've got to be at least in the neighborhood for it to matter, right? And that's the thing that, like, listen, it's not going to help. Nebraska having all of Michigan's signals would not have helped Nebraska beat Michigan. Like, it might have been closer. Maybe they stayed in a little bit longer, which is, I think, what a lot of people were hoping, that it would, you know, be competitive at least through the first half. That's not helping Nebraska beat Michigan. There's too big of a gap there. Mm-hmm. The, apparently, there is at least that same size gap between Michigan and Georgia, which is, or at least there was, right? They've lost a lot of guys, but that which is horrifying to think about because I think we all think Michigan's pretty good. Um, but no, it, you've got to be close. You've got to be in the neighborhood for it to matter at all. Uh, and, and if you're not, then yeah, you could. They could tell you what play you're running. I mean, a bunch of the the '90s Huskers used to tell me all the time. They would tell the defensive linemen in front of them what they were running, and it just didn't matter. They would say, hey, yeah, coming right at you, big guy, or, like, going option this way. This Like, they would tell you exactly like, – like, they would tell the guy in front of them exactly right. what was about to happen to him. It's like the old Larry Bird stories where he'd tell you what movie's about to do, and then he'd do it anyway, and you couldn't do anything about it. That's what basically happens when there's too much of a gap between you and the person you're playing – is you could straight up tell them exactly what's happening, and it does not matter because right. they can't stop it. Um, now, in the Big Ten, I think it does. It has mattered, most likely, with some of these games, right? Yeah, definitely in the East. Um, like yeah, the, like the, the past old, two Ohio State games, I'd be curious to know. If, the Penn State games. Yeah. Those are the ones that I start to look at and go, uh, which is, you know what's funny? If they had only done it in the games that teams were close to them, they probably don't get caught. Like, mm-hmm. if you do it, if you use it sparingly enough. Right. Yeah, but right? they did it with every yeah, single they were, team. They were but doing you know, it all the time. But that's the itch, right? 
Like if you if you ask any criminal out there, hey, how'd you get caught? This is exactly it's because you got the, comfortable. This is exact not not just comfortable. You got greedy. Well, greedy and comfortable yeah. though, right? Because you found out that you're like, oh, you this could yeah get do this and do it maybe better or bigger next time, mm-hmm. and then you're like, well, you know. If I can do it here, I could probably could do it here. And if no one's ever catching me, I could probably do it here and here and here and here. Yeah. And then that goes to the greed that you're speaking to, but that also goes out of your comfort zone. And now you put a bigger target on your back. Yeah, the – oh, John says something funny on Twitter here. He goes, how about the fact that Michigan's worst year under Jim Harbaugh was the year fans weren't allowed in the stands? <laughs> Yikes. Wolverine! Uh, not wrong, though. Um no, but, a lot of humor. I mean, listen, so I, in my, I don't know how many people know this. In my day job, I'm a, I'm a fraud investigator for financial institutions, right? I can tell you with absolute certainty the reason that we catch people is because they get greedy. Like, there is a certain threshold that if you're having to monitor a certain number of transactions or if you're a, you know, you're doing this college football thing and you're, you know, you've got, I mean, at these stadiums, you've got 70, 80, 90,000 people. If you're doing something in a small manner, no one's going to catch you mm-hmm. because there are too, there's too much white noise around to filter through it all to find anything. But every single person, whether it's a criminal, whether it's a fraudster, whether it's some dumbass from Michigan trying to record sidelines, <laughs> it gets greedy. Every single one of them right. because they, they, they get away with it a few times and then, they and then you think, think they're you do it all the time. They think, oh, man, I've got the system beat. I'm the smartest guy in the world. I'm going to do this forever, and no one's ever going to catch me. Did he do it? I just watched, I, I rewatched Wolf of Wall Street the other day, right? Same deal, right? If he had stayed small, and small relatively, right, no problems. Mm-hmm. Never gets caught, never goes to prison, probably still making millions, right? But everybody gets greedy because they think they're smarter than they are and they think they can they think it can last forever and you have to just like not encouraging bad (laughs) bad activity here no you're encouraging bad activity up to a certain point but like (laughs) if you get greedy you're gonna get caught and that's why every criminal gets Mm -hmm. caught when they do stuff like that and that's why michigan got caught you know what else was funny um and and it, it was funny until you read later on in the article that the one school didn't find Stallion in their records because they didn't have access to search names and secondary markets, which that was also pr- pretty uh, pretty humorous to me. Yeah. But <laughs> they said 12 of 13 possible Big Ten schools have a record of Stallion buying a ticket yeah. at their venue. And I'm like, 12 of 13? What school was left out? What school did Michigan say, <laughs> ah, we're good? Like, no matter what, we don't we, need your sign. We don't need we're this. good. Is that Rutgers? <laughs> Is that Indiana? Like, what school are we talking about here? How bad are you going to feel if that's your school? If that's Nebraska. How bad are you going to feel if that's Nebraska? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope it's not Nebraska. Uh, it's got to be. But Nebraska, it, you would have to think Nebraska has records of the secondary yes, market or, it, like, has the ability to go get those. Yeah, I think the question is, okay, what team is or what school seems like they don't have their stuff together and to not be able to figure those things out? Rutgers definitely feels Michigan like an option. State. Uh, Michigan State. I bet Michigan State has their – has it. And you know – I only said that because it was a rivalry. And you know in the rivalry, I don't care how bad Michigan State is, you know Harbaugh sending his dude to Michigan State. <laughs> yeah. um, who uh, Like Indiana. Maybe they skipped uh-huh. Indiana. Yeah. Um, 
trying to think who else is. Well, a- outside of Rutgers, Northwestern, I Northwestern feels like they eh, may not borderline, have borderline. But outside of Rutgers and Indiana, I mean, I feel like that's what it comes down to. Just one of those two schools. Yeah, uh, they're, they're the only ones that really make sense in in this scenario. But it is funny because uh, you know, uh, bald book tuber. I I I gotta find out his name because I feel like <laughs> I said that last week too. Um, he said it's, it's clear Michigan cheated. It's also clear the NCAA will do nothing about it. They will select some voluntary punishment in the. He says the toothless NCAA will say it's good enough, which, you know, that that's a real possibility. But I did look up what could happen next. Okay. And the Big Ten could rain its terror down first. So that's more likely than the NCAA, in my opinion. Correct. Right? So the Big Ten sportsmanship policy states that Tony Petiti, who's the commissioner, has the exclusive authority to determine whether offensive actions have occurred. And then he could impose discipline for the members of that school or, um, or, or team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Big Ten has two categories for discipline. The first includes fines that don't exceed ten grand and suspensions of no more than two contests, which seem like absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. The second, for major disciplinary action, requires approval from an executive committee made up of representatives of different schools, which can deny proposed penalties or reduce them but not add to them which I don't really understand. Like, are you referring back to point A, like the, the the first part of that category, or is it, hey, we come up with something? Yeah, I think they come up with something and it you, has to get You approved. present it, yeah. but you can't add to that presentation that you, right. I that think, you lay out there. I think that's right. So theoretically, they could ban Michigan from the Big Ten title game if it got approved by the committee. You know what, man? They could also strip J.J. McCarthy of a potential Heisman, if that's what it comes down to this year, and other things that really affect the players. We'll see. Coming up next on Herd at Sports. You're listening to Herd at Sports Radio. Hey, Napoleon, what'd you do all last summer again? Hunting wolverines. Did you shoot any? Yes, like 50 of them. They kept trying to attack my cousins. What the heck would you do in a situation like that? (laughs) What kind of gun did you use? A freaking 12-gauge. What do you think? Okay, fair enough. Shane said he had a better clip than the one I wanted coming back, and he definitely topped he was right. what I was uh, uh Welcome back for. as we wrap up hour number one here on a Wednesday on Herd at Sports Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities as well. I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers here with me, and we're brought to you by our friends at Dingman's Collision Center. Dingman's has four area locations for your convenience. They can... Uh, They can help you out with any make and model that you happen to be driving because they invest in the latest technology. They've been in business for over 25 years, locally owned and operated, and first place Best of Omaha for 18 years running. Best thing about Dingman's is they care about the community that they are a part of. They give back with every single repair they make uh, through their community give back program. Make sure you go check it out at Dingman's.com. Right there! All right, you had something. You had a, you had a question. You yeah, to you know, going into the break, yeah. you know, I, I mentioned how I feel bad for the players because yeah. J.J. McCarthy right now is the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, just past Penix this past weekend. And I think back to what happened to Reggie Bush, mm-hmm. and which I still don't think. I, I, I still think he deserves his Heisman back. Yeah, absolutely. But in this scenario, I could, I could really see an example being made out of Michigan, mm-hmm. like as much as, as people may doubt what the NCAA can or will do. 
But if they do make an example out of Michigan, they could strip a Heisman Trophy from J.J. McCarthy at year's end. If they play for a national title and win, that could be stripped or should be stripped Mm -hmm. at this point. And so I really feel bad for the players because chances are they, they didn't know or were just out of the loop or most of them were out of the loop. Because when you practice for mm-hmm. any opponent, you listen to your coach, mm-hmm. right? The coach tells you what to plan for. The coach tells you what to practice. You have a scout team that studies other teams' game film to run that against your offense mm-hmm. or your defense. And all that does is the scout team's probably just sitting there, in, sitting there in a room watching film. The coach is like, hey, this is the play you're going to run. You're going to run it just like this. It, it's like every, we did it in high school, right? Mm-hmm. You have huddle film. You watch how uh, a team uh, a team plays, runs plays, and, and that's what you plan for, mm-hmm. right? That's why you have coaches sharing footage in high school because it, it allows you to plan for your opponent, mm-hmm. right? But that's universal. Everybody does that. In college football, you can't do that in-game unless you're watching the game on TV, but that's why they don't ever show the sidelines mm-hmm. fully. But when you know what's coming, it's easier to play against. To yeah, play, absolutely. To play. To, to draw up a, an audible or a certain play that can beat that thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel bad for the players because this it all stems in practice. They're like, wow, we're really prepared. We know exactly what they're going to do, what they're going to run. We have, like, our coaches are so great. They picked up on different signal calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, gosh, we play for the best coaches in America. Like, that's probably what they're thinking. Sure. Yeah. And then they see an article pop up of Michigan. Kind of in some choppy waters because they may or may not have had somebody on their staff recording at games. Started pretty loose, right? Mm-hmm. Because even I took it loosely. Yeah. I said on the show, I don't really believe it. Well, that quickly changed two <laughs> days later when another report came out. And now another report. And another one. And yeah. another report's coming out. How do you think these players feel at Michigan right now? Do you think they, they, do you think they feel like their coaches failed them? Yeah, I don't know if they feel like their coaches failed them. And – I want to go back to a point you made a second ago. Even if the players did know, there's nothing they can do about it, right? Like, they're not going to convince their coaches to stop scouting in this way. Well, also, they may not know the rules if they yeah, did know. I'm guessing. They may have been told, hey, we can do this. Yeah, A, I'm guessing they don't know the rules. B, even if they know the rule and they know that what's going on, it's not like you're going to have somebody go to Jim Harbaugh or to whoever and be like, hey, I don't want to do this. Like, what, what are you going to do there? It's not like he's going to stop like implementing the game plan it's already done right and so they're in a they're you're right they're in an awkward position um I just don't know I I don't know that they would penalize like a J.J. McCarthy specifically I think it's team penalties right so you're looking at okay if they win the Big Ten could they strip them of that or make them vacate it if they win a national title, could they strip them of that or vacate it? Whatever. Yeah, because Travis goes, I don't think they can strip a national or a college football playoff title. I, I think the NCAA can do whatever they want. Well, so like, the NCAA the the day, doesn't run the college football playoff, so they technically couldn't strip the – the Big Ten might be able, would be able to strip a Big Ten title, but the college football playoff would have – it's its own entity, mm, so they fair, would have fair to – point. They would have to strip, and maybe that's more likely, right? Because since, kind of like we were talking about earlier, the NCAA is pretty toothless – Maybe it's more likely that they have a team or that they have a separate entity, whether it's like the Heisman Trust that stripped uh, Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy or the College Football Playoff Committee strips a national title or something like that. I, I don't think the, if it's left in the NCAA's hands, I'm guessing it'll be like slaps on the wrist, maybe some 
uh, like voluntary suspensions the way they kind of did with Jim Harbaugh earlier this year where they like, kind of negotiate an agreement. But I, mm. I do think it's more likely to be team-focused stuff rather than player individual. Yeah, you know what, though, with the college football playoff, because they stole signs from teams that are in college football playoff contention or have been sure, there, yeah. I wonder that would if be, that yeah. separate committee that you're talking about that would the NCAA isn't a part of yeah. would choose to yeah. still be a part of this stripping process. Which they might. That might be and, – and it's my guess is it's more likely they would go back and vacate – you know how sometimes they'll vacate like a Final Four appearance. Mm-hmm. It's like you didn't actually win the national title, but – you know, like John Calipari technically never made the Final Four at UMass anymore because they stripped that from right. him. It, my guess is it's more likely something like that where – because obviously Michigan hasn't won a title in the college football playoff era where they say, hey, we're vacating your appearances the last two college football playoffs or something like that. So you have to take down the banner or whatever it is at that point, and they stop putting you in the record books. It, it's largely academic, right, if you don't actually win a title mm-hmm. for them to strip something of you. But, you know, I, I do think it's more likely that an, that an – outside entity makes a decision like that than the NCAA. I think the NCAA is probably not going to drop the hammer on Michigan. They historically don't drop the hammer on, like, blue blood programs. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting to, to kind of see all of this evolve to what it has become mm-hmm. because as I shoo a fly away, <laughs> I don't know how a fly got in here. <laughs> Shane, did you leave the door open? Uh, no. Not this time. It's just crazy to me that, you know, Jim Harbaugh is still today. Yeah. Like, oh, we, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know this. I don't know that. Like, how, how much do you think people really believe at this point, especially after you came into the season on recruiting violations? Yeah, already having been suspended, already having these other allegations out in the air. It's like, yeah, I, I think Jim Harbaugh maybe just doesn't, like, run the cleanest program in the world. And it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of interesting because this is the longest he's been at any stop. So you wonder how, <clears throat> how much – like maybe he was doing this stuff before and it just never caught up with him before he left. Maybe. Uh, I also think it's just, you know, it, when he got there, he was under, I mean, just major fire yeah. for not being able to win the big game, not getting Michigan. Well, especially after 2020. Right. Not getting Michigan back to um, relevance like they wanted to be, um, or at least in the top, we'll call it top 10, because mm-hmm. Michigan never consistently was there until Jim Harbaugh has been doing it over mm-hmm. and over and over. Well, maybe it was maybe maybe it was that greedy thing that we were talking about. Yeah. Like, he wasn't getting there. He was feeling a ton of pressure, and he's like, I got to change something. Yeah. I got to give myself an advantage. Boom, he finds a way to get that advantage, because that's about the same time that Stallions started to, like, really go knee-deep into this. Yeah, if you want to – I mean, if you're, if you're taking the reports at face value – this started, I believe, in 2021. It's been going on in 2022 and then this year mm-hmm. as well. So it would theoretically have started right after he was on the hot seat for 2020. And what was everybody saying? Is Jim Harbaugh this? Is Jim Harbaugh that? Should he go back to the NFL? Should he get off of coaching You know, Michigan? Should Michigan fire him? Mm-hmm. Like those, those are real claims that were made in against 20, Jim Harbaugh yeah, in, in 2020. 2020 there was, he was legitimately on the hot seat. Um, they had not finished uh, inside, so they had they ni- 2019 they finished outside the the top 10. Uh, 2018 they were pretty good. 2017 they were pretty bad. Uh, didn't finish ranked in the final college football playoff poll. Uh, 2016 they were pretty good, but they they were pretty inconsistent and up and down before 2020. 
he has that bad 2020 where they're two and four, and then all of a sudden it's college football playoff, college football mm-hmm. playoff. And Michigan is back. And on the way back to college football playoff. Um, the timing and the results seem oddly suspicious. I mean, they hadn't, they hadn't lost fewer than three games in a season um, under Jim Harbaugh until 2021. Mm-hmm. And Terrence on YouTube says uh, the players don't question the validity of the source, the information provided by coaches during game planning. It's exactly what I said at the beginning. For sure, yeah. It's exactly what I led off with was this is, this is a situation of I am going to listen because that is my job. My job is to listen to what the coaches are telling me, yeah. and now I have to use what I've learned mm-hmm. in practice all week and for the game on Saturday. Yeah, you're just that's say, it. That's what a player does. Yeah, you're saying, hey, my coach has put me in a position to succeed. If you are a player, you are a sponge. You and soak up everything that they tell you, that they show you, that you see, and then you apply it on the field. And Kid- I've, I've got direct knowledge of this because when I was coaching college basketball, um, there were teams that were dumb enough to send us video or that had to upload it because this was not pre-huddle, but before huddle was like widely adopted especially at some of the lower levels, they would send us video that had audio on it. So we could hear them <laughs> calling out, making their calls, and so we would write it down. Which we is would, rare. We would scout. It wasn't as rare as you think. Really? <laughs> I don't think people just knew. And a lot of people at that level, especially at the time, weren't putting that level of effort into scouting. Mm. And so every time we got video with audio on it, we would write down calls and we'd be like, okay, when they call this. And, and when they call Kentucky 3, this is what the, the play The level is. of advantage it gave us because we knew exactly what they were running was enormous. Can you, on the other hand, thank Michigan right now for putting for where the Big Ten is at right now as a conference? Uh, I mean, the Big Ten's better when Michigan is good. That's, yeah, that's, but another team could be just as good. Yeah, like let's get Nebraska good. <laughs> You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Here is Husker 24-7 senior writer, Brian Christofferson. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act. Brian Christofferson. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Christofferson. This, this, is, this is a personal deal. You know, I, I hear stuff about the offense and everything, and, like, you – we are not as good on defense if it was if it weren't for those guys, like period. You know what I mean? Like, I've been I've been on some staffs where, where you know they didn't care about preparing the defense and and we had troubles tackling. We had troubles going against heavy personnel. We had troubles stopping the run like that. You know what I mean? Like so the DNA of the offense and them getting us getting each other ready to play ball. There, there's a reason why they're running for 200 yards a game and, and we're able to play good enough run defense. You know what I mean, it's because of those guys. So we get a chance to see it and go up against them all the time. So, you know, I, it, I mean, they prepared us. They, they sharpened us. And, and hopefully as we keep on continuing to play, hopefully play well, it's, it's because of them and, and how good they are. In that. Welcome back. Hour number two, getting kicked off here on Hurt Out Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers here with me. Hello. And we are about to be joined by Brian Christofferson on that Warhorse Sportsbook hotline. What I want to tell you about Warhorse a little bit, it's the best place in Nebraska to place your sports bets. You got to go in person to the casino, but there's plenty of kiosks, plenty of sportsbook tellers, or you can build your bets on the app, the Warhorse Casino app, then take your phone to the casino, scan the QR code, and place your bet in person there. They've got 
pretty much every major sporting event. Uh, they've got straight bets, parlays, props, live in-game bets, all things. Do a little horse racing. Yeah, all things like uh, like my guy over here. Uh, you seem like an in-game better. Are you alive? You alive? No, guy? no. I'm more of a before game better. But okay. if I'm down and I feel down, yeah. I'll like start like throwing together some random I, live in-game I things. I kind of like in-game bets because I I sort of get this. Uh, I feel like I on games where I'm like, hey, I kind of have a sense of how this mm -hmm. is going to go. Yeah, you, you see one team really performing. Yeah, and, and usually in the first few minutes, the line doesn't change that much. You can still get the the kind of the pretty close to the number you want, but you have a little bit of an idea mm -hmm. of how a team comes out. So, I mean, you can do all those things over at Warhorse Sports Sportsbook. No bets, no glory. Joining us on that hotline is our friend Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7. BC, how are you this morning? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? Good. We're doing well. Um, let's, uh, I guess, let's <laughs> let's start with the Michigan thing a little bit. I, I mean, what are your just kind of thoughts as more and more reports about this, uh, you know, alleged cheating scandal comes out? Because at first it kind of felt like, okay, maybe this is just sort of a maybe a one-off, not kind of isolated insulin. And then as more and more reporting yeah. comes out, it seems to be a, a vast and large conspiracy uh, I guess just how have you sort of processed all these all these reports have come out about Michigan? Yeah, I don't even know if I've seen the latest one or two reports, Ravi, if there's been something this morning or whatever. But um, uh, just the stuff yesterday about the SEC yeah. teams and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I would say um, I know Matt Rule was answering in general um, at his press conference about sort of uh sign stealing and how it happens you know within games against the team you're playing and that's sort of the part of the competition and that's usual uh but he also spoke in general um about you know it's a different category if someone is you know coming in to the stadium and 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 it it's it breaking a rule that's written down and that's the bottom line and i'm only bringing what he said into it because i liked how he said it because i kind of nodded my head and I thought this is one of those deals where people will push it to the side and say oh it's no big deal they're a great team anyway whatever are we really going to make a, a thing about that is that what is getting them over the top but rules are rules mm -hmm. and at some point I think we need to get back to some of these deals where um, if, if you broke the rule um, there's an actual punishment for it because there are actually some people who are abiding by it. And I know there's some people say, well, you're naive. That's not true. I don't think so because there's a lot of coaches, I think, around the country that are pretty peeved about um, what Michigan did in this situation. And I, I think they lost a lot of respect from a lot of a lot of peers if these allegations um you know, which there, there seems to be more and more evidence of sort of uh, are, are proven. So um, I, I, I think it's a, I, I think there should be a pretty good penalty for it. Um, I'm not saying that's why they're winning games. They're a great team. They would be probably undefeated regardless. Um, but still, it, it, it even makes it more mind boggling why you kind of go to that to, to that category of doing something like that when you have the type of team you do already. Well, BC, we were kind of talking during the break, um, unsure if they would still be undefeated or if they would carry yeah. like one loss at season's end. And, you know, if Michigan didn't go about stealing signs, if this all comes out to be true, 
um, is Ohio State where Michigan should be? And is Penn State where Ohio State should be? And would Michigan then fall into that third tier of top Big Ten teams? Or would Michigan still be in that second tier? We just really don't know. And I'm kind of curious uh, uh, on your thoughts on that, if you think Michigan would take a drop or would take a loss and be out of the college football playoff. And if they did steal these signs just to get that one win to guarantee them in the college uh-huh. football playoff. Are you asking if I think they could get penalized? Okay. So if so I, I guess I'm really just asking if Michigan didn't go about doing like the things that they did, would they be the number two team in the country or would Ohio State the past two years have yeah. taken that spot instead of them? I mean that that that's impossible to know, I guess. You know, I I I I, I don't doubt that Michigan had a good enough football team that they might have done close to what they, they did, but uh, the thing is, we don't know that. And um, in a way, to me, it doesn't matter because I, I think it's kind of back to that point. Like, we've got rules, you know, and let, let, let's start playing by the rules a little bit around <laughs> here. There's a lot of there's a lot of leeway right now within college football for a lot of different categories with NIL and stuff like that, where you can make hay and actually be within the guardrails because no one actually knows where the guardrails are. But in this case, we actually set them on the side of the road and said, hey, you can't do this. You can do this. This does happen, but don't go over here. And it appears they went over there from what we're seeing. We will you know, let it all play out, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think it's really damning stuff. And I, the way Robbie asked the first question, I was kind of in that camp when this story started, like, yeah, whatever. You know, I, I, I admittedly kind of put my hands in the air about it. And um, – the more and more I read about it, the more kind of annoyed I get with, <laughs> with, with what I think Michigan was doing. And uh, maybe it's a petty thing to some people, but I, I just go back to like, come on, it's, it's, it's on paper. You don't need to do it. And um, what, I, what I was curious when you're asking that question, Andrew, is what happens like with the committee um, with this team, if they go undefeated, I think they'll mm-hmm. obviously they'll be in. But let's say they lose one, and there's a big debate, you know, about who's that fourth team, and it's it's really scattered for that spot. Uh, you wonder if they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt now, and I would think they maybe won't. BC, I'll let your mind deflate from my very complicated question to decipher. Um, and ask, a good word for this. <laughs> and, yeah, and ask you uh, maybe something a little simpler here. What do you think is the extent of the punishment? You kind of like you alluded to it with that last point, but if there is uh, a lot of truth that comes out about this and they're like, okay, we have to punish this team in some way, shape, or form, what do you think the extent is? Is it as deep as, hey, we're going to, um, you know, strip, whether it's a potential Heisman trophy from their quarterback, um, like the Heisman voters are going to do something there, or, you know, the college football playoff, things like that, we're going to strip a title, or is the NCAA just going to stay out of that business and just do something like, hey, we're stripping a Big Ten championship? Yeah, I, I, I don't know yet. I mean, that, 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 that's the thing that's going to be really interesting. I haven't seen if anybody's uh, got, gotten sourcing on what could happen. I would guess the NCAA doesn't want to get out uh, too far in front of, of their skis yet, you know, with what, what might happen. Um, that's why my mind kind of goes to right in, what's in front of us right now over the next month and a half um, before that all plays out. And it, it, it's not that I think someone's going to intentionally say, 
uh, oh, this team we put at number five that was 11 and one because of this situation. But it just makes me ponder if there's enough animosity about it um, in the air um, by the time we get to that final vote. If Michigan does lose one game, I'm just curious if like human nature takes over a little bit there and someone else gets uh, gets the bump over them. But, um, you know, that's just me speculating. And um, but yeah, this is this story is out going to be out there like every day, every week for the rest of the season. So it's going to be hard for. Um, you know, honestly, Michigan's going to have to really work hard as a football team, the guys on it, to focus around it, um, you know, and, and keep playing at the level they are. Maybe they're going to rally around it and do that whole thing where they think everybody's against them for no reason and play really well. That could very well happen. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a messy deal, and it's way more messy than I realized even, like, you know, six or seven days ago. Uh, we're talking with Brian Christopherson, Husker 24-7. Let's switch gears to Nebraska here a little bit. And uh, maybe – I know we talk about the injuries on offense a lot, but it almost feels like we don't fully appreciate how sort of ridiculous it's been. Um, you know, I know several people have asked Coach Rule and Coach Satterfield, like, hey, have you ever experienced anything like this? Uh, to, uh, both of their answers were no. Like, do we fully appreciate how absurd the situation on offense has become? I think most people get it. Um, I, I'd say since I've been covering this team, I started as a beat writer in 2007, last year of Callahan. And I did it some in college before that. But I've never had one press conference that I was at where we had, um, okay, take the Gabe Irvin Ramir Johnson day first off mm -hmm. that that Monday. I've never had one that I remember quite like that where there's been bad injury news, but not like, oh, it's the top two guys on the same day right here at the very position <laughs> that everybody says this whole operation needs to center around with this offense and running the ball and all that stuff, and they're gone. And so you get that day, and I was like, well, that's that's pretty rough for a first year for a staff. And then to have that basically happen times two now with the O-line, mm -hmm. um, you know, with the Piper Corcoran news and Nuri's out for a couple weeks at least, um, nothing like it. Um, I, I can't compare it. There's been got, there's been better player. I, I hate to get into this discussion, but there's been times where like a top level guy was injured that maybe produced a little bit more than some of them but not like the whole collection where it's it's like, okay, two or three guys from this spot at the exact same moment and sort of when not everyone's expecting it. I think coming out of Saturday, um, the big discussion was about Ben Scott because he'd been down on the field and it ends up like, you know, Corcoran's out who had finished the game off and um, all this stuff. that So there was a there's been names or two that have popped up where you're like, oh, I didn't even really know that was coming. And honestly after he delivered the news on monday there was like a five second just sort of silence <laughs> like people were kind of co collecting co collecting the thought like okay that i gotta process that did i hear all the names right is there no ben scott corcoran's one of them you know it, it it's just uh it's been a r really strange deal but um, I like what Satterfield's approach was because it's the only way he can do it yesterday he he turned it forward and is is just like you know, we got a lot of young guys and they're excited to play and let's go, you know, and that's, that's all you can do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been something unbelievable. And I hope people like can put it in perspective compared to most years. This is not 
normal what we've seen. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about the the wide receiver room, which because it didn't happen at the same time, right? You still yeah. lost two of your top three guys, your top guys out for it, multiple weeks at least, and then your one of your top four guys quit before the season started, right? So um, the wide receiver room might be in the worst shape of all of them, and we're not even talking about that one anymore. Um, the reason I asked that question, though, I guess, is because it seems like, and and it's you know kind of human nature while you're watching a game, but it seems like people are still really critical of how the offense looks and kind of rightfully so in that it hasn't looked great but it's just how do you balance those two things of like yeah the offense doesn't look very good also no one is healthy that we ever thought was going to play for us um I think you can find a balance with it by the fact that we don't have to expect them to be a high-flying attack but we should expect um them to knock some unforced errors out of the way there's been some stuff that has been mistake riddled that has nothing to do with uh, some of the injuries. You know, you just got to catch snaps. You've, you've got to have exchanges that are proper. They've just left the ball on the, the turf too much. And rule talked about this on his radio show last night. Interceptions will sometimes happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you get, you got to keep throwing the ball some, uh, but he hasn't had a team maybe that's put the ball on the ground as much as this. And um they had three times that ball was on the ground in the first 35 minutes and they got them all back. And that's why we're not talking about that as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's been a real problem since, you know, first game when Anthony fumbled against Minnesota and then Colorado, obviously at the drop snaps, it really hasn't gone away. It's always kind of poked its head out. So when I look at the offense, it's like, I know you're limited in what you can do, but let, let's stop watching that stuff you know like where you have two or three series like the beginning where where rule says it was so bad it hurt his lips to even try to make an excuse for it you know that that's the sort of stuff where they can be better than that even with the personnel that's on the field and it'll be interesting saturday it's not like the o-line is going to trot out guys who don't have some experience i'm not saying it's going to be easy but prohaska started games henry latovsky's played a decent amount of football by now and Justin Evans Jenkins is a guy they really liked all all year, and they've been trying to work in as sort of the sixth or seventh guy prior to this stuff. So you got to go out there and hope there's not one more guy who falls and is injured there. But if those guys stay healthy, you can work with that front five and still run the offense. You ha- you know you've been trying to run and uh, hope to get some stuff done. BC, speak to how unselfish this team is. Hearing Coach Rule rave about Ethan Piper regarding the importance of reps for someone taking his position on the field has to be one of the most mature things I've heard in a while. Just the the ultimate teammate. How does Piper and the rest of the guys embody the culture of putting others before themselves? Yeah, well... I, I think there's a lot of guys like that over there, which has helped them this first year. Ethan Piper is a special dude, though. Um, I remember when he was a recruit um, at Norfolk Catholic, he uh, he uh, had committed or was going to commit, and I called him, and he uh, first off, he had like some musical that he was doing after school or something <laughs> like that because he's like cause in, he was one of those guys who played in the band and was in musicals and all that, and he's in like, I'll call you back, I promise. Uh, I got to go to a bi- his Bible study. Um, and so he went to that, and um, I'm thinking, well, you know, sometimes you don't get the kids that call you back. They forget. He calls back immediately after it. But it was just like I was thinking that this kid's like got all these things lined up. He's like the all-American boy. And he's always been that since he's been here. Um, 
And so I'm not shocked he said that. And the context of it, of course, was, you know, he thinks it'll be good for that because Justin's going to get those reps now and it's going to help his development and that's going to be good for him. And in the long run, it's one more guy in the program who has that under his belt after this season's over. But for him to say that out loud, not something a lot of guys would say in that moment when they're nurse, especially that first week when it just hits you so hard with that injury. Um, so that's really cool of him. And um, I, I think uh, he's a guy that is going to be very successful. I think he's going to be a teacher and coach after he's done playing, and he, he'll do very well at it. BC, uh, I want to switch over to the defensive side of the ball. You know, one of the things that Tony White said yesterday that really stuck out to me was th just this idea that, okay, maybe even though we don't love the way the offense looks, they've been a really important part in preparing the defense to, to look as good as they have. I, I guess that's not really something I had – just kind of thought about before how did you take that comment from him you know I I know he was trying to, to pay compliments to uh, his other units but it it, it kind of makes sense though doesn't it yeah I, I like I would I had asked him a question actually about um, what, what he thinks of the young linemen that's where the question mm -hmm. started like what what does he think of like because he sees them as much as anything because they've been on the scout team and they go against his guys and like how has he seen them build up and he really took that opportunity to drive down that lane. And um, it's it's really smart for this team right now because when, when Rule sets a, a message on Monday, he goes up front and you can tell there's like three or four things that there's like um, points he's driving home. And he had one where he said he used his hands and he moved them far away. He's like, we can't be over here. We got to be here. And he put them together and we got to be Huskers. And he was really – he's he's made that point a couple times. This has got to be a full team deal where you compliment the other side of the ball as much as you can. And the, and the, there is a part of this too. Some would say the offense isn't capable and, and maybe there's some truth to that, but the offense, you know, Marcus Satterfield's not doing exactly what he has dreamed of calling right now with this offense. We have to keep that in mind. I mean, he's working with the personnel he has. He knows that they just really need to not turn the ball over and, and win field position and set up this defense and so the fact that the other coordinator tony white like comes back and says you know um yeah we're a great rushing defense right now not his words mine but um it, you got to give a lot of credit to the physical practices that those guys on the other side of the ball have given us all off season i mean they've contributed to that defense being the type of tackling team they are and the type of group they are in the trenches so i like how they're um I, I feel like there's good unity over there right now, and I don't think it's just um, words to say. I actually think they have it, and that they're going to need it with what's going on to, to win two or three more, you know, and get where they want to be. BC, for Nebraska to win this game this weekend, they have to do what? Not turn the ball over more than once. And I mean, I, you can accept one that gets away or something that happens over the course of 60 minutes. And then I want to see the defense take that next step and, um, you know, get when they get pressure, force a fumble, have it be one of those games where someone's picking it up and running it back, you know, or, or, or you know, Tommy Hill could have had a pick six on like the second or third play of the game Saturday make that play like that play's sort of been missing. Isaac Gifford's been a great player. All year, I bet if you went back and had a real honest conversation with him, he wishes he could have that one back in Minnesota, you know, in the end zone. 
So there's all these plays that have been right in front of this defense where they're aggressive, they're in position to be not just guys who stop somebody, but who take the game into their hands literally and take the football away and, and um, you know, produce points themselves. I think they're going to have to do that a little bit down the stretch. You know, Iowa's been a specialist in this where their defense will get a pick six or whatever and uh, win a game that way. Um, on Saturday, maybe that's what it is. Maybe you win a game 17 to 13 and you have a defensive or special teams touchdown that puts you over the top. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think it's going to be something like that that's needed. And they got to win the turnover battle. They got to win field position. Brian Buschini is going to have to be nails the rest of the way where when they have a chance to pin someone inside the five, they do it. All that little stuff is not little stuff. It's the stuff that's going to decide if they win. Uh, BC, we'll get you out of here on this about a minute left. Um, For the people that don't hate themselves and haven't watched a ton of Purdue football this year, how big of a gap do you think there is, if any, between the Northwestern team that we saw on Saturday and the Purdue team that's coming up here this week because I mean those are two of the the bottom teams in the league and certainly in the West Um, just where do you where do you see those teams at compared to each other I think Purdue's a little a little more dangerous on offense and so the stuff that it's not like I think they're a juggernaut but the stuff that Nebraska did early on Saturday if they did the same things they might have been down like 10 or 14 nothing and that you know Nebraska's defense might have had something to say about that but it would have been a lot harder to stop this unit. I, I have respect for Hudson Card. He's been around and he's he's good with his feet. Um, you know, Dion Burks is a, a guy who's averaging uh, you know six yards receiving a game, so he's a dangerous weapon. And Maccabi got him pretty good last time uh, these two met. Um, you know, he's a big back who I think started as a walk on there and has kind of risen up. So. Um, yeah, I just think their offense is a little better. So Nebraska's offense has to be crisper. And uh, Nebraska's defense played as they did play great at times, but they're going to have to maybe, you know, knock out an explosive play or two that they allowed um, this past Saturday. It won't be easy, um, but the, they, the, they'll have to be dialed in because uh, Purdue has a couple guys where, you know, the play where Omar Brown tracked him down. I don't know if they do that against Purdue. I think that's maybe a touchdown. So that's mm. those kind of plays you can't you can't have holes like that probably this week. Brian Christopherson, Husker 24-7. We'll talk to you again next week, B. Yep, thanks, guys. Thanks, BC. We are halfway through the show here on a Wednesday. Wednesday? Andrew, did you lose your uh lose your headphones here? Nope. You good? Yep. You good? I'm just looking at Shane. Just looking at Shane? What up, Shane? Uh, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to talk to our friend Andy Kendi from KETV. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to tell you about our friends, or maybe we call them our mentors, the Teammates Mentoring Program. Heck started yeah, we by had Eric on the show yesterday. We did. So that was for Big Brothers Big Sisters, but he got started in Teammates back when he was at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of the, uh, a lot of the athletic department down there works with the teammates program so it was started by dr tom and nancy osborne back in 1991 and their mission is to positively impact the world by inspiring students to reach their full potential through mentoring uh, with the teammates program you meet with your uh, mentee for about 30 minutes during the school day once a week you can play games you can just chat you can do whatever you want just to connect with the kids there 
and you know the the their surveys say that the the mentors get almost as much out of this as the mentees do uh so go to teammates.org to become a mentor today uh coming up here in just a second we've got our guy andy kendy on that warhorse sportsbook hotline feels a little funny to to give a uh, casino read after talking about tom osborne but hey <laughs> it's 2023 we the world's changing a little bit here uh andy from ketv what's going on buddy what's happening i i have no issues with this Hey, AK, how you doing? You can lead into me with the Warhorse anytime. <laughs> we appreciate that, Andy. Uh, hey, so busy week. What's uh, what's on tap for you this week? Oh my goodness. Well, we take it one day at a time. <laughs> uh, day by day, just like Coach Rule, right? Day by day. Day by day, we try to get one percent better in that uh, sports department. And you know what? <laughs> you and Matt Foster, iron sharpens iron. <laughs> the new guy Matt Fertilli who's really it's interesting to get his perspective when you get a new set of eyes on what we do and how it's how things are viewed in this state uh it's pretty interesting Matt Fertilli started with us about a month and a half ago and Welcome, uh, Matt. he's been yes and he's been he's been really like um I don't know like eyes wide open in terms of how we deal with things and the importance of uh, certain things over other sports and um he got a good taste because he had to cover the Nebraska-Wisconsin volleyball match on Saturday, and he was blown away. Okay. Like most people were. Even for people who have been around the block a few times, Saturday was a day for the ages. And, he, and now, talk about one of your first uh, big-time volleyball matches to cover. That's what you get to do. I told him when he got, you know, granted, it was like a 15-hour day for him. I, I, when he uh, was driving back, we were talking, and I said, listen, I, I know today was kind of long, but I was like, 15 years from now, we're going to be talking about this match, and you're going to say I was there. I was like my first month on the job. So mm-hmm. that was one of those unbelievable, memorable moments. And, uh, and, and you know, there's so many things, so many layers to that match on Saturday, um, whether it be, you know, the, the record crowd who's snapping the losing streak against Wisconsin, the one versus two, the record viewership on BTN. Um, you know, the college volleyball is on such an upward swing here, and it's uh, in Nebraska's right smack dab in the middle of it. So that's pretty cool. AK, I got a question because we talked about this earlier this week. You know, some of the things I heard coming into the season from just random fans was, does John Cook still have it to recruit with the best of them? Uh, why aren't we ever splitting with Wisconsin anymore? Did he lose a step? Things like that. Do you think that volleyball win Saturday was a legacy win for John Cook because of the standard he's held to in the college volleyball world? Certainly a signature win, right? Certainly one. Um, and it, uh, it, it showed that they can get it done, you know, and, and um, they haven't in recent years. I mean, 10 in a row against any team is, is something to open your eyes and um, for a team to, to just a mental hurdle to get over it. Now, granted, you know, it's almost, it was almost probably good that they have so much youth on that team. And, you know, Merritt Beeson, uh, a newcomer to that squad, so they don't have that. Uh, oh, here we go again. Maybe in the back of their their minds. But uh, yeah, that you know, a great prove it prove it Saturday for for Nebraska because they proved that they can they can hang with the the best and they can beat the best. And now they are the best at least for now. And so, you know, the way John Cook is recruited, uh, you know, there's I, I don't think anyone's questioning where Nebraska's status is nationally. Um, you know, they are a blue blood in the sport and uh and will be until uh, further notice they 
this the way this thing sets up uh, down the stretch, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, a how they finish up. Are they going to be able to, to to finish without a blemish and see how it goes in the uh, in the postseason? It is so hard. I mean, the Big Ten guys is such an incredible college volleyball conference that. You know, forget about Wisconsin for a moment and just think about all the other teams we're going to have to play in the second half of the season. Um, to even consider going, to even have a discussion about them going unbeaten. They're like, okay, let's try to get through the weekend unbeaten. You know, one of those deals. So it, it, it's going to be an interesting deal to see how, how these guys not only uh, finish off the season, but how they improve during the season because you want to be playing your best in volleyball, you know, uh, end of November, early December. Andy, signature win for Coach Cook and a big win for Coach Rule on the same day. But who had the better celebration, the body <laughs> surfing with Coach Rule or the cowboy hat with Coach Cook? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. I, you know, I don't know. I, the, 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 the body surfing thing was great, uh, though it was, you know, obviously we're not in, in the locker room uh, real time. But I, the, the Cook celebration, you know, such an, he's such an intense guy, you know. To see him kind of, you know, to crack those smiles, throw on the, the, the hat, it was, I mean, it was, it, was, it was one of those moments you're like, wow, that's, that's really, really cool. And, and, um, and, you know, he talked about yesterday about the kids storm the court. And I, I, we, we talked about it um, afterwards. I guess there was so much security around that they just wouldn't allow the, the court storming with the kids. But the, if you're ever going to storm a court, that would have been the one to do mm-hmm. it. But, you know, John kind of took the storm to them. You know, he went over there to make sure that he, that the kids knew how much he appreciated their support. And, you know, that's a real home court advantage for, for Nebraska. I mean, guys, when you look around the, the volleyball world, uh, outside the Big Ten, even inside the Big Ten to some venues, and to see what some schools play in front of, and then you you contrast that with what Nebraska has every single night. It is, man, do not take it for granted. I know nobody does, but, man, it is it is something special. AK, high school playoffs start this week uh, for football this Friday. I'm sure you've examined the bracket thoroughly about potential matchups in the future and even finding the stronger first-round matchups to attend this Friday. But looking in Class A, uh, specifically here is there a matchup that you're anticipating one that makes you say oh man if this team and that team wins that's going to be a heck of a battle in round two or three or whenever well normally guys week one is kind of a get you through week right mm-hmm. and, you know you kind of configure well this team a is going to be team b and probably by a big margin right there's a couple matchups in this Friday that it, that really opens our eyes. How about Bellevue West and uh, Papillion Modesto? Yeah. Talk about two teams. Uh, that is a, a – now, granted, the winner knows that they got to most likely get Westside, who, by the way, plays one of their biggest rivals in Creighton Prep in the mm-hmm. opening round in the 116. Good but defense. I, I think that – yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I look at that matchup, and, and, and that that's like, okay, that, that's a really interesting Bellevue West-Papillion Modesto matchup. That's where we're going with with our game of the week on Friday. But, you know, don't sleep on Millard North, Millard West. I mean, Millard North is playing much better football than they did at the, at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, looking ahead, you know, Millard South and whoever they get out of that Gretna-Omaha North game, that one really is going to be intriguing to me. Um, uh, you know, Omaha North tends to peak uh, during this time, and uh, something tells me that, 
that Coach Martin has a run in him. And uh, granted, they're just a 10 seed, it's 7 and 2. And granted, they got to get through Gretna, and that's no easy task. But man, Omaha North, North South, even Gretna Millard South in that second round really is, is one of those intriguing, like, as you said, like looking ahead to, you know, what, you know, we know about this week, but what about next week and maybe the week after? And then, you know, I, I really like Alcorn South. They're starting to get a little bit healthier. And, and what happens when they make a run in the second, third, fourth round? So um, it's going to be fun in Class A. You know, obviously, Westside is a, is a team that, People are just kind of penciling into Memorial Stadium, but you know you still got to play the games. We've seen goofy stuff happen before in this tournament, so that's what makes postseason football so awesome. And we'll find out starting Friday. Yeah, Andy, looks like it's going to start cooling off a little bit on Friday as well. So make sure you're all bundled up out there. It's going to feel like playoff time here on Friday. Bring your parka. <laughs> Maybe have to go buy one out at a uh, outfitter like Coach Rule did the other week, right? There you go. Um, there you go. Yeah. Andy, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, AK. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Andy Clausen of the WTL podcast. Talk a little gambling here mm. on Herd at Sports Radio. Welcome back to Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. We're wrapping up our number two here on the show. And we are brought to you by Dyer Law. Dyer Law has you covered in all of your personal injury needs, whether you've been in an accident or whatever else is going on. The Dyer Law team has you covered, and you can count on them. Give them a call, 402-393-7529, or visit them at Dyer.Law, where you can chat with trusted professionals about your personal injury claim. That's D-Y-E-R dot law. Joining, joining us now from the WTL podcast is Andy Clausen. Andy, what's going on? What's good, guys? What's good? What's happening? Not too much. Just uh, about halfway through the week here, and it's about time to start talking about gambling as we kick off. You know, it's Thursday. always time to talk about gambling. Well, yeah, for Andrew, it's always <laughs> talk to, time to talk about gambling. But, you know, Thursday's kind of the start of the football weekend. I know we get that that midweek stuff. I was watching a little bit of Liberty U football because I love me some J.B. Chadwell last night. But, um, the uh, yeah, the, the for the – for the non-sickos, football starts on Thursdays. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump into uh, the kind of weekend. I know that you know you focus a lot on Nebraska. They're a slight favorite this weekend. Uh, are there any lines you like in that Nebraska game, whether it's the total, over, under, anything like that? Well, yeah, you know uh, that's an interesting line because it opened up at six and a half, and then as is the case with so many of Nebraska's betting lines mm-hmm. uh, over you know, five, 10 seasons, a lot of volatility. So I've already moved all the way down to two and a half. Uh, I'm a rule eight drinker. I believe in that <laughs> rule. I believe that this team is picking up some steam. I think they can cover that two and a half at home. And I love seeing all that Purdue money coming in early, giving Nebraska fans a spot to, to get in on it and feel good about it. Do you think the injuries, Andy, are is causing the line to drop as much as it is, or is it just um, recent results for Nebraska that's causing the line to move closer to that pick'em mark? Yeah, that's a great point there because this is two teams that just don't cover. Uh, Purdue is, you know, four out of the last five games they haven't covered. Nebraska only covered two of their last five games against Illinois and Northern Illinois. Maybe we should. Uh, schedule with some more teams out of Illinois I don't know um, but you know this is this is just a spot where 
I, that might have a little bit to do with it, but if you're a Nebraska fan and Nebraska better, you know that that line always moves. You know, listening to you guys la- uh, yesterday with uh, Mike Schaefer, I like his take on it. Uh, I think Nebraska should have a little bit of confidence dealing with injuries in the fact that they've been dealing with injuries all season long. So it's a next-man-up mentality, and he worded it in a very careful way where um, didn't want to throw shade at anybody on the offensive line, you know, we, but we've had our problems, and will that drop-off be that great? Probably not. Yeah, Andy, you know, you, you mentioned uh, the the defense and some some of the injuries on the offense. Does that, you know, that 39-and-a-half over-under, it's not like Purdue's really set the world on fire. Obviously, Nebraska's struggled to score throughout the year as well, and they've got that great defense. Um, do, you, do you like maybe a total on this game as well? If I had to pick a total, I'm going under. These are two under teams. Uh, you know, last week's show, my partner and I kind of got in a disagreement over that because I don't mind betting unders, and he's a big, big over guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's more fun to bet the Life's over, right? Life's too short to bet the under. <laughs> it is more fun to bet the over. Unless, you're, yeah. unless I was playing, then it's not fun to bet the over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No matter how low that thing goes, go with the under on that one. And unfortunately, with the injuries Nebraska is sustaining, you know, even with quarterback, now offensive line, I mean, rotating in running backs. And I actually like where we're at with running backs compared to other spots. And But you can't deny that we got freshmen across the board, and I'm excited to see these guys. But as far as putting up points, gaining yards, and covering a total, nah, go with that under. Hey, other games, Andy, uh, that you're kind of focusing on around the Big Ten, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, Indiana. Let's go to the big one, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Ohio State, still a, uh, a pretty big gap there between one of the top, tings, top teams excuse me, in the Big Ten East and the top team in the Big Ten West. Yeah, and, and a lot of times I like to put up a fight or at least an argument for the Big Ten West. I just can't do it this year. <laughs> Don't be afraid of that 14-and-a-half or now 15. I'm seeing a lot of 15 across the board here. Ohio State's going to cover. They are a team that covers. They've covered four out of their last five, and the only one they didn't cover, they still won the game outright, Notre Dame, and it was a three-and-a-half point spread. They won by three. So I like the Buckeyes. I think they're going to put it on Wisconsin. I know it's in Camp Randall, but this isn't the same Camp Randall and team. Uh, You want to talk about injuries for Nebraska. How about Wisconsin? And I don't like where these injuries are stacking up. Defense on all three levels, defensive ends, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties. Wisconsin's dealing with a lot of injuries up and down their lineup, and it's not in a good place when you're going up against arguably the best offense and wide receiver core in the Big Ten. So if you're really hammering Ohio State and that spread, you know, the total's only 43-and-a-half there. I mean, if, if it's mm-hmm. as bad as you think, is I mean, Ohio State might get that number by themselves. <laughs> they could, and they've put up a lot of those points in the past. Ah, but uh, uh, to be totally honest with you guys, I'm probably going to sidestep it. And if I had to lean one way, and this will tell you what a sicko I am, I'm going under. Uh, six of the last <laughs> seven, Ohio State has smacked that under. Now, it's not a fault of their own. I think it gets inflated. People talk about that offense, and you're casual better. We'll just go ahead and smack that over, right, because it makes too much sense. Not the case. These books are sharp. They move that up. They adjust. They adjust on the fly. Uh, this was another one where the point spread opened up at a 14. You're not going to find that anywhere. And In fact, I'm seeing a lot of 15 and a half across the board now. 
Penn State, Indiana, the other game I mentioned. Penn State, 32-point favorites over <laughs> Indiana. And the over-under is 46-and-a-half, okay? Yeah. So there are probably some sickos out there that will bet the under of this game, too, and expect Penn State to win this game 33 nothing. So glad that we got to this game. An 11 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, Robbie, you open up this segment talking about sickos out there. Let's get into <laughs> it here. Indiana at number 10, Penn State, uh, coming off of a loss. But I'll tell you what, plug your nose, take the points. Penn State is going to cover this. And, and Indiana on the other side, they're a team that doesn't cover. This line opened up at a 27.5. Now it's moved up to 32.5. Penn State have covered every single game except for last week against Ohio State, where they're a four-point dog. They've also won every game except for last week, where they dropped that game 20-12. to 12. Now, those point spreads also include a couple really, really lopsided uh, numbers here. UMass was north of 40-point favorite. Delaware was north of 40 points. Penn State covered that. And I want to take you guys back to week five to prove this point about hitting that over. I like the over here. Week five. 34 to 13, they're nursing away a victory over Northwestern. Northwestern, in desperation, with two minutes and 30 seconds left on the clock, threw a pick at about the 50-yard line. Got returned to the 30-yard line. You guys know what happened next? No, I, I don't recall. James Franklin called a fake kneel down, pop pass <laughs> over the top, touchdown in Northwestern's face. Northwestern to cover that. It was at 47. You think, okay, a couple of kneel, kneel, kneel downs here. Penn State's mm -hmm. going to get out. No. James Franklin wasn't going to have it. He was going to award everyone that bet the over. I think he's going to do the same here. Penn State in a big way. Plug your nose. Take those points. Eat those points. Uh, Nittany Lions, they're going to roll. Let's get into the real sicko games in the Big Ten this week. We've got Minnesota and Michigan State. That is a seven-point favorite for Minnesota. I mean, are, are you are you even looking at these types of games like the Maryland, Northwestern, Michigan State, Minnesotas, or is it just clear stay away so you don't have to watch your bets? <laughs> you know, we we on our show and it airs uh, on ESPN Tri Cities, and it has the last couple of seasons now. Right after the Doug and Daddy show, just an awesome placement for us. We always talk what people are going to be watching. And if you're a Big Ten lover, you're, <laughs> you kind of have to, don't you? You mm -hmm. kind of have to keep your eye on Michigan State and, and Minnesota. And, man, I hate betting P.J. Fleck. But <laughs> too many things are point sports. The Gophers here to cover that seven-point spread at home. I, I don't know. Like, when you think the guy's down and out, he somehow comes back like he did last week. Hey, Andy, uh, quickly here before we let you go, I'm curious, do you ever play props? Like, do you ever do prop bets for college football, or do you stick with just uh, with the basic lines? Oh, man, that's pretty tricky with college football. If we do props and we give them out every week, we kind of stick to uh, pro football, and then that kind of bleeds mm. into fantasy a little bit, you know. And that's really – I'm going to stay out of that. That's my partner, Jabron. <laughs> uh, he get after those player props. And more times than not, he cashes. So, I <laughs> well, in college, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll tell you this I'll too. I was gonna say, in college, if you choose like the top wide receivers in college football, they'll normally hit their receiving prop. Yeah, yeah. So there is some value in that. That might be something we have to look at. It's just that how many yards you start looking at, like a receiving core like Ohio State. Go back to those guys. 
there's only so many yards in a game that those three guys can cover. Who's going to get them and how? Right now they're leaning so heavy on Marvin Harrison Jr. Are they going to try and get other guys involved? So there's always that back and forth. Andy Clausen of the WTL podcast, as he mentioned on uh, after the Doug and Daddy show on our friends at ESPN Tri-Cities. Andy, we, uh, we appreciate your time, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That is Andy Clausen. He hosts the WTL podcast, part of the Kurt Ass Sports Podcast family, and our friends at ESPN Tri-Cities in Central Nebraska. Good stuff there. If you're a real sicko, want to bet some of those some of those uh, not so attractive Big Ten games, and it's a tough it's a tough slate this week. I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of sicko games in the Big Ten this week. We will, uh, well, you can listen to them and, and see where you're at. Uh, coming up next, we've got Avery Howard for the entire third hour here on Herd at Sports Radio. You're listening to Herd at Sports Radio. Yeah, I mean, what what coach doesn't preach uh, chemistry and family and all that stuff like that, right? But then. You 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 see you see the you see how the plans come in the come into play and come into light. You know you, again that's a perfect story. Not not one person knew knew about James. Now we did. We knew his talent. You know and it just again it goes to show you Coach Rules down there working with the scout team, and the demonstration team, and here James is balling his butt off right. So he comes to he comes to me and and T Knight is like hey man we got to get this guy on the field T Knight goes and and Coop Coop you know suggested a package T Knight's like yeah we can put him in this position to just let him let him turn him loose we get together we come up with the package and the coverage and stuff like that and then we 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 let him go play and sure enough it happens so now all those other guys in that in that room in that demonstration team. They're going like crazy because they know that that could be that could happen to them next, you know. And again, it all goes back to the chemistry of the guys, you know, and and validating the work that they're putting in. You know, it's one thing to, to say work hard because you will. It's another thing to be like, hey, work hard because <laughs> that just happened right now, you know. So, kicking off hour number three here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me, and we are joined now by Avery Howard, our friend. And colleague here at Herd Out Sports, Avery, how you doing? What up, Avery? I don't know if I can hear you guys. I don't know if you can. Can hear you me. hear? Is this better? Check more. Um, yeah. No. A little bit more. A little bit more. See. Yeah, I think See. So. We good. What? We had that already dialed up there, and Shane's like, "Turn it down. Turn it down." The music Headphones in between gets a loud. loud. Okay, music. I think we're good. I That's your good. fault. We good? It's okay. All, it's all good, Shane. Uh, okay. Can I can I ask a question nope. real quick? And I don't mean to steal Avery's thunder no, here, but go, go ahead. <laughs> what is the demonstration team? I've th- never heard that before. I think it was just he was, like, renaming the scout team. It kind of sounded like. Oh, uh, yeah, because yeah, they kind of, be like, right. demonstrate what the other team's doing, yeah. like what the opponent's mm-hmm. doing okay. for the next week. All right, I'll move on. I'll, uh, That's what I assume. Turn the mic yeah. off now. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. <laughs> That's what I, I assumed. I've never heard that term either. He used it, like, interchangeably, like, right afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's like he almost, yeah. like, caught himself. It's almost like maybe just, like, a like lingo an thing. Yeah, no one likes use. to say the same word three times a row in a row in the same sentence. Scout, scout, scout. Yeah, you use that. Or if you use the word overcome, you know what like he doesn't. Like, ah, I want to use a different word than overcome in my next sentence. You know what he doesn't have a hard time saying over and over again on the grass. On the grass. <laughs> <laughs> it drives me yeah. crazy, and I don't know why. Yeah, 
I think it might just be like an internal thing. Like I know like on soccer terms, like sometimes you'll be called like a reserve or a subs, but like some coaches on certain coaching staffs, like they won't use that at all. Like they'll call them game changers. They will not use like reserves or subs like at mm-hmm. all. I, they just call them game changers or like here comes our new wave of game changers. Um, so I think it might just be like a lingo belief thing potentially. I think I would have preferred being called a game changer more. I was mostly called a scrub, which I <laughs> did not love, but uh, probably more accurate mm-hmm. than game changer. Although I, I called, did, I was called scrappy. So I, <laughs> I don't know how much better that is. <laughs> right. Yeah, although I, you know, game changer can be positive yeah. or negative. So I, I might have been a game changer. I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you in which That's way. Uh, <laughs> so Avery, coming off of, you know, not you and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Um, but coming off of that Northwestern game, I guess just how did you – I guess how did you feel overall about the performance? Because I think some people sort of walked away feeling a little lackluster mm-hmm. just because, you know, we talked about this. There, it's not the prettiest thing in the world to yeah. watch, but you still come out with the W there. I guess a- as you're kind of watching Nebraska turn into this Iowa-esque team, mm-hmm. like how does that – I guess how do you just process that in real time? Um, it was kind of similar to, uh, I guess the way I processed it kind of the Illinois game, because I walked away from that game on the road, kind of feeling confident, just hearing what I'd heard after the Michigan game and then their response. And I think I was kind of surprised to see so many of the negative responses after the Illinois game, just Mm -hmm. because, yeah, it wasn't the prettiest, but it never felt like Illinois was threatening. And I felt like, yeah, that's a defensive side of the ball kind of thing. However, uh, I did expect more of a dominant performance against Northwestern, but I think when you watch the way that the – you, ha- I, I just think you have to remember, like, we have such high expectations, I think, so quickly just because of how much reassurance we're being fed constantly week after week from this coaching staff and just how much they're not in panic, it seems like. So mm-hmm. I think our bar went from maybe the very bottom coming off last year yeah. as viewers and fans and media members to just kind of like setting it really high because everything seems like it's so much better mm-hmm. than where it was at that when there's games – like that I think last year Nebraska fans would have been like hey we we got it done you know they gave up a field goal in the fourth quarter but you know they didn't blow it out that kind of thing and now I just think the bar of expectation has been set so high again after just I think knowing that there's just um, a good coaching staff in place (laughs) that's putting like taking the right steps that when I watch this team rally around each other even after an ugly win Mm -hmm. I can see what it means to them and I can see what it means to an offensive side of the ball that's literally trying to do whatever they can to score points or and I am not saying that's an excuse for the interceptions and putting the balls on the ground, that kind of thing, but they're so supportive of one another. And you see how coach rule reacts in locker room afterwards. That was at what, what was it? 17 to nine. Mm -hmm. That was, yeah. 17 to nine win. And I think everyone was like, what was that? And then you see the the way the team's reacting. Like they have to fight every tooth and nail for a win right now. So I think as, as, as disappointing sometimes it seems when you feel like, okay, on paper, this team, Nebraska should be just, going after mm-hmm. it but there's just so many struggles that they're going through right now and for them to still come out on top I think I have to take a step back and be like a win is a win for this team right now and it might be ugly but like the heart the grit and the mm-hmm. toughness is there and there's the no quit that I can appreciate and I can value and I'm not in that locker room right now I don't mm-hmm. know what that's like so I think I, I kind of was surprised a little bit after Illinois on the negative responses not so much for Northwestern but just watching what these wins mean to this team I think kind of says what it is for me right now yeah I mean you mentioned on paper I I don't know if any 
anybody should expect this team to light the world on fire. <laughs> right. Even when this team was fully <laughs> mm-hmm. healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're being honest, this is not Michigan. This is not Ohio State. Right. This is not Penn State. They're mm-hmm. trying to build to get there, mm-hmm. and they have every intent to right. at some point. But no one should be expecting them to cover every single week right. and to be absolutely dominant. Where I'm most impressed with this team is just seeing the progress overall from last year's team to this year's team. And that starts with the turnover margin. Mm -hmm. Like, even if they put the ball on the ground, even if they give the ball to the other team via interception, what happens at the end of most games? They're either close to even or above average. Right, that that's where this team rests. That's why they win games. That's why they can win seventeen to nine instead of being on the losing end of that. So it just kind of all boils down to just taking a chill pill, mm-hmm. right? Just being okay with the W, even if it looks ugly. We talk about ugly wins mm-hmm. all the time. You have to win ugly before you can win pretty, mm-hmm. right? I, until you get there, be happy with where where they are today mm-hmm. and 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 how they've battled through all this adversity. It goes back to preparedness right so Tony White uh, said he's never been around a program that's had to move pieces around like this one right right? and being prepared just for anything that comes their way and I think that also falls into the injury category of having young guys ready to go ready to step up but do you think that applies hmm, how do I put this think that applies to more than just how difficult Nebraska is to prepare for like from an opponent point of view because um there's so many moving pieces that even opponents out there are like, who are we going to get today? That's, I mean, on the defensive side, like there's so many guys that mm-hmm. are in and out. And like we've always, we've talked about this for week after week, like the level doesn't drop. You half the time don't even know who's out there. And so like for on an offensive side, I can imagine what that's like. And also what I kind of meant too on the Northwestern game is like on paper, when you look at rushing defense and rush offense sure. for Nebraska, it was like that is their bread and butter and Northwestern has none of that. And then for Nebraska to take to the air game as much as they did, I mean, for on I'm assuming on Northwestern's end, they're like, well, I didn't expect that mm-hmm. I mean and I not that it necessarily necessarily executed I mean 17 I think we said dropbacks for Heinrich and he completed eight of them the 144 yard or whatever it was but I don't think Northwestern out of the gate was like yeah they're gonna toss it around the yard in here today so I don't know I think like as, as Nebraska's trying to figure that out I can imagine but like I think too it's probably just more difficult the probably an obvious statement here but on the defensive end just because they can shuffle so many guys in and even if someone is out of position or someone goes down we haven't really even seen that so far the injury on that side but like there's so many guys that I just don't think the level drops it and on the offensive side I didn't even realize because in the flow of the game that um Jenkins was in at center at the end of the game mm-hmm. didn't even I, I didn't even know yeah. I'd be and I mean I probably should have because I knew Ben Scott went out yeah. but I was paying attention to mm-hmm. all the other things on the offense and I'm like the fact that he went from a guard position to center and I didn't even realize like talk about your preparedness level like in personally like you have to look at different kinds of film to be ready for that mm-hmm. like you're studying not only a guard position like you're studying the whole O-line and I think that's something they've talked about previously too like we're not just studying for one position like we study as a group like if I've got to throw you in there like you got to know the coverages you got to know the package so I think the detail oriented stuff like that I can only imagine what that's like to learn but to get ready prepared mm-hmm. against yeah I mean it and you you talked about it on the defensive side of the ball a little bit where they just have so many pieces and it, it kind of it's a little funny to me actually because like you mentioned the injuries there actually have been a couple injuries on the defense. We just don't notice. <laughs> we just don't know. Right? Like Luke Reimer missed yeah. significant right, time. Right. Uh, Nick Henrich yep. was not healthy to start the season. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Singleton still not playing. Yep. 
and we just don't notice because everybody back there is awesome right. and it's all good. Mm -hmm. And then you throw in scout team guys in there that you've never heard of before. Mm -hmm. You have to literally look up on your roster who just made that sack mm -hmm. because you have no idea who James Williams is. KC kid. And you're just you, you, everybody but Avery apparently. Yeah, she was like, "That's my guy. That's my guy." Um, no, but you know, you, you've got this. There's this almost incredible confidence on the defensive side of the ball because the fact is they don't need James Williams right now. Mm -hmm. They've got enough guys on the D-line. They've got enough guys at those rush positions. They don't need James Williams right now, but they're like, hey, you know, we've got this guy who can play. We're going to get him on the field. And they know they're going to need guys like James Williams next year or the year mm -hmm. after or whatever, right? And, and Coach White kind of talked about this is – James Williams is is the validation that, like, hey, your hard work's going to pay off. Yeah, like, like, you will get a shot. Yeah, like, if yeah. you're good enough on scout team, you will get a shot. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of coaches talk about that, yeah. right? They're like, oh, hey, if you really ball out, no matter what it's your role is. Yeah, they, they're just blowing smoke up mm -hmm. your butt, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're like, you're never going to play. Mm -hmm. Some Juco D lineman mm -hmm. on scout team mm -hmm. is is never going to play, no matter how good he is. And they're like, oh, no, James Williams is good. We're going to play him. Yeah. We're going to put him in a package. And then he balled out in the game. Like, hey, we're yeah. going to play you more. Yeah, how cool was that? It wasn't even like we're going to put him. It was like we have a design package for him to get into the game. They designed because a package for a scout team guy. Because of how hard he'd been playing in scout team yeah. and how much, like, he was causing havoc Problems. for their own offense. Yeah. I think it was interesting that um, – I think Tony said it yesterday. He was like, we would not be the defense that we are if the offense isn't the offense mm -hmm. that they are in practice. So, like, I think there's a lot of frustrations for the fans right now seeing what the identity is. But, like, because the offense is going as hard as they are and trying to get better every day and trying to figure out, like, what this offense is going to look like and being the run offense that we've seen at times, like, the defense has been well prepared. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not – you know, I don't, I don't think – People should hear that and say, hey, the, the offense is balling out in practice and right. stuff like that. But they're going hard. hard. They're going yeah. full contact. Mm -hmm. They're going, you know, Coach Rule talked about, hey, we've got the second hardest practice in America, according to the NFL scout. But, you know, it, it's the thing that we don't think about all the time. And it's this is really intuitive. But until somebody says it out loud, you don't necessarily think about it is, OK, if you don't want guys to be better at tackling, you have to tackle in practice. But somebody has to get tackled, mm -hmm. right? Like that's the offense. Mm -hmm. Those yeah. are, you're, you're submitting yourself mm -hmm. to a pounding in practice mm -hmm. when you know you're going to have to do that during game week and maybe you're trying to get fresh or whatever, but you're doing it to help out your defense, right? Yeah. Like, and that's not, that's not something that I'd ever really thought about before, even though it's, you know, it's obviously it's super, like somebody has to get tackled to right. work on tackling, right? I think too, like a major kudos to this team because when you have a, a side of the ball that performs this well and then you have another side of the ball that's struggling so much and then at the end of the day they're both giving each other credit for making each other better like the this team could be going like this right now they entirely could like defense could be like we're sick and tired of it like please like can you help us out here and instead it's like hey we know you guys are hurt we know you're struggling like this is an all-for-one situation. Like, we got you, and instead of we got you, it's like, no, no, actually, can you turn the ball over? We want to go back out there again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we want to shut them, shut them down. But I just think, like, the way that this team has rallied around each other as a whole and not I – mean, you really could be divided on two ends. It could be defense has been doing their thing in offense. Like, can you figure it out? And I think instead to see them come together and really even credit each other still at this portion of the season is kind of been impressive, actually, to me. Yeah, a couple of things you guys just said there. One, creating the package for James um, – are we at all shocked that this coaching staff did that? Uh -huh. Like, like, are we, like, sitting here thinking, like, huh, 
I'm really shocked that they did that. Like this coaching staff. Maybe not this staff. No, this not staff. Yeah, yeah, this staff. In I general, think it's unusual uh-huh. first. It's, it's in, totally unusual yeah. Yeah. In, in the, the grand but scheme for of this things. staff. Yeah. But for this staff, I would. You guys said that, and I'm like, mm. yeah, that makes sense. And I, <laughs> meh. And it kinda, it's the same. It kind of does make sense. Honestly, yeah. it's the same thing when they go out and recruit somebody I've never heard of. That's like, ah, no, he's really fast. We like his frame. And you know what? I think that's where it all started. Yeah. I think our expectation for the staff started with, who is this guy, and yeah. why do you think he's going to be good? Playing Division One football in a power five. Yeah, you got like Charles and Turner and Jalen Lloyd, and like none of these guys had had big time mm-hmm. offers, and they're just like, yeah, no, we like them. And We're you know, them. In, in year one, it's easy to say like, you know what, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust that that's the right move. Mm-hmm. And you know what, three years, two years, whatever down the road, if it's not the right move, we'll know it, and you guys will hear it. But that's the kind of the state of mind that everybody's in right now, from fans to media, just the college football world. It's like, hmm, okay, well, Nebraska has a winning record. They're four and three. They're on pace to get somewhere where they haven't been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe they actually do more, do know more than people gave them credit mm-hmm. for early on in the season. Because when you do go after guys with no stars, you're you're driving past a high school in Colorado and you just happen to stop to stop because some coach said, hey, you should look at this guy. He had no other no other offers anywhere else. And then he ends up with one to, to Nebraska at the end of that day. Like, that's just because the staff sees things that other people don't. So that's why I'm just not overly surprised when, you know, things kind of evolve throughout the season. Like, when things just kind of hit us and we're just like, hmm, this staff will know what to do. Well, it kind of goes back to that confidence thing, right? Because I think other – Coaching staffs do see those things, yeah. but they don't have no, the they confidence. Don't. Only Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think they have. A lot of staffs don't have the confidence Ag- to agree. go out there and say, "Hey, I'm putting myself out there." Yeah. They, they maybe they'll see a guy and they're like, "Oh, I kind of like him," and then they look him up and they're like, "Oh, he doesn't have any other offers. He doesn't have any stars. Nobody's talking about this guy." Like they trust their eyes more than any coaching staff I've seen for a really long time. It, you know, I, and I know Husker fans hate when I do this. It reminds me of when uh, the Creighton staff would offer a guy like Kyrie Thomas. Oh, that I hate when you do not this. A lot, not a lot of guys saw coming out of high school. Yeah. Or they offer a guy like Justin Patton before anybody cared about who Justin Patton was because they trusted their eyes, they trusted their evaluations. Nebraska's coaching staff is so good at that, and they're so confident in their ability to develop that they're okay taking swings mm-hmm. on a guy that other, other schools, I, I legitimately think, they probably see the same things and just don't have the confidence in their own either development or in their own eyes to say, yeah, we're going to take this guy. I just don't think you can like undervalue what a like full belief from a coaching staff in an individual player does for a team mm-hmm. in, a, in a player in general. Like every single kid is the star at their high school bef- if they're going to go play college football at some point, right? Like you are the star. And then you get to college and it's like wh- – and you see the kids, they either quit, they don't love it anymore, they're not committed to it anymore – and it's because they're not – they're probably uh, – if it's not self-inflicted and it's not, you know, a lack of hard work and that kind of stuff, it's they're not getting the same belief that they've gotten basically, I would say, for probably their most of life. their career. Yeah. And you look at – and it's and that's really hard because you go from being a star and you, you can be self-motivated and stuff like that, but if your coach is not willing to give you the same exact treatment as he's giving the next guy and you're working just as hard, that's really hard to go to practice every single day and know that I still have a fair shot. I'm going to make an impact in this team. When you look at the guy next to me, he's making more mistakes, but because maybe – whatever relationship you guys have, I'm not going to get a shot. So I think for the guys that are on this team that have been there before this coaching staff, I said this, I think a few weeks ago on the radio show, like the relationship that coach rule and Luke Reimer has is like fascinating to me because Luke Reimer has always been a name that this fan base has appreciated. He's always put in good work for Mm -hmm. this team. 
But this year he's become the voice, Coach Rule says. He's become the reason Coach Rule originally, like, fell in love with this place, as he said. He's like, you don't understand what he's done for me to, like, get to know what this place is like and, like, enjoy coaching Mm -hmm. here. Like, the player, like, Tommy Hill, like, he was like, it just took Coach Cooper to be like, hey, you're good, but, like, do you know how good you can be? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to put some belief in you and, like, you show me. Like, and I got you. And I think for a coaching staff to do that, like, play from what it sounds like I could be completely completely (laughs) wrong right but from what it looks like and the guys that are stepping up that have been on this roster before Mm -hmm. and then have a little bit of belief and someone's like we think you're good we don't think you're a waste of space and we don't think you're a waste of a scholarship like be you're be impactful and Mm -hmm. like I think that belief goes a long way to see the guys that were just stepping on the field a few times to being like the dudes on this team like that's not an enigmatic like oh we found this random talent like it was already there it just mm-hmm. had to kind of be ignited again do you guys remember big 10 media days and the three players that went with coach rule the big sure 10 do. media days uh-huh. it was ethan piper it was quentin newsom and it was luke reimer right yeah and we were all like okay well <laughs> no a lot of people were like luke reimer uh-huh. right that was the one like yeah. ethan piper under, was understood yes, for sure quentin newsome went last year it, right yes so it was just but it was like, it was like no quarterback uh-huh no quarterback well jeff went. sims i guess was oh, there for yeah, one of them. but like it wasn't right. a running back it wasn't like whatever was it jeff it was jeff, jeff sims, sims and piper. piper i'm sorry did i say newsome newsome yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay yeah scratch that we'll rebirth mm-hmm. and we're going back yeah okay sims makes sims, sense right sims makes sense piper makes sense and then everyone was like luke reimer and i remember watching luke in spring practice and I was watching him work with Dvorak, and he was just with his like his group of group of guys, right? MJ Sherman was there um, in, in that same pod. It wasn't all linebackers, but it was just like Luke Reimer and Dvorak were like side by side. Luke would run a play, it uh, run a play, run a drill. Um, it would be like 120 percent. That's how he would move, and then he would sprint back in line. And he would talk to somebody, mm-hmm. oh, talk, yeah. talk about a rep, talk about something different. It was with so much a fresh, coaching. like Matt yeah. Noonan mm-hmm. was with, with that group. He would talk to Maverick Noonan. Then he would do his rep again, 130%, mm-hmm. right? So not only is he working by example, leading by example in that moment of saying like, hey, no matter what, if this is practice, if this is a game, we are going full speed. We're running through this brick wall. But he's also coming back around and he's teaching. Mm-hmm. And that is – that's what embodies a leader, mm-hmm. and that's what Coach Rule really, mm-hmm. I think, took a liking to early on because then Dvorak would lean on Reimer to get information across to certain mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of watching this beautiful carousel, <laughs> like, just go yep. mm-hmm. in this one little pod. And then I'd go over to Evan Cooper's drill, and he's just screaming away. <laughs> yelling at um, but I love Evan Cooper. Different mm-hmm. communication yeah, styles. Different communication yeah. style. But, no, but Coop's but, great. But that also goes back to what you were saying about Luke Reimer and, yeah. and Rule's affinity for him. Well, mm-hmm. and it's, it's you saw a very similar thing we talked about this a little bit earlier with Ethan Piper, another guy that was at Media Days, right, is, okay, this guy's out injured for the season. He's already talking about, okay, this is re- going to be really good for Justin yeah. Evans Jenkins, yeah. and this is, you know, this is long-term. This is going to be better for his development. And I, I think maybe we didn't appreciate how close Justin Evans Jenkins was to getting on the field yeah. anyway. There were talk about how like, – I think there was legitimate questions in camp if he was going to beat out Ben Scott for that mm-hmm. center spot. I mean, th- they really – really liked him and obviously they didn't want to get him onto the field this way but the fact that he's now in a position to play I have the least amount of concerns for him out of anybody that's filling in right now because Prohaska I just don't know what he looks like now you know like in terms of his health his mental state Mm -hmm. his like just his size like he's got he's so big now yeah he was not I mean he's grown another two inches since coming in and even since playing his freshman year where you're just like I don't know 
if this guy can move the way move the way he needs to. You've got Henry Litovsky, who's been in the program for a couple years, but hasn't made a ton of noise. But out of those three guys, Justin Evans Jenkins is the guy I have the least amount of questions about, and he's the guy we've seen the least of, right? I mean, yeah. he's been on the field the least. He's a true freshman. You just look at that guy and you go, yeah, no, I feel okay about that. I'm good. And like you said, he goes from guard to center and we're just like, yeah, no, this is fine. Yeah. Like how many times do you see a backup center in there and you've got snap issues, you've got exchange issues, you've got all sorts of issues because of how important the center mm -hmm. is there. And he just – See it all the time. Not all only, the time. Yeah. Not only does he go from, okay, I'm, I'm all of a sudden playing guard, and then he's like, oh, no, now I've got to play maybe the most critical position on the offensive line with probably – hardly any reps going into that week you know what kind of doesn't surprise me however though is coach rule told us after i think the first or second practice of fall camp mm -hmm. he said the speed and the talent on which we have on this freshman group is kind of ridiculous he's like mm -hmm. the speed is what stands out he goes i've told them the only difference that gets you on the field he's like we're gonna play our older guys he's like they want this and he's like they're gonna lead us our freshmen will help us get mm -hmm. there he's like the only difference why freshmen get on the field or why they don't is if how much they study film if they put the phone down, if they stay here longer and they study film and they know the playbook, you will get on the field. So I'm not surprised that if he can go for multiple positions, that's one telling me that he's proved the yeah. coaching staff. I've watched film. I know what I'm doing. That's probably why he's on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really good stuff there. Uh, coming up, we're going to lighten things up a little bit, start playing a little game here. Uh, with Avery. It's our Wednesday game. Guess who? Giving away some UNO hockey tickets. Yeah, so call in 888-638-4876 if you want to win UNO hockey tickets right here on Herd at Sports Radio. Ooh. Ooh, we got a new view here on the uh, on the stream yard. Yep. Oh, oh. My other oh. left. Right yeah, here we go. Uh, welcome back to Herd at Sports Radio. Robbie Lula, Andrew Rogers, Avery Howard here uh, on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. It's time to play a little game. We're going with Guess Who, but Andrew, as he does, our game master himself, likes to Let's play. puts a little twist on it. Our, our very own resident, uh, Bob Barker Jr. here. Take it away. Oh, I prefer Pat Sajak, but it's cool. <laughs> How dare um, you? <laughs> so, guess who? So, last week we played this game, and the listener had to guess or had to ask as many questions in 60 seconds the, to try the, to get the to the answer. Did? Yeah, the, okay. the listener. Last week. Yeah. Uh, that was last week. This week's a little bit different because Avery's in the chair. We chose to go a different route and all come up with one athlete, one celebrity. Okay? And we are all going to play against one another. So it's going to be Avery uh, and myself and Shane when we're trying to guess Ravi's individual. Same thing if it's mine, it's Ravi, it's Avery, it's Shane, and so forth. But the kicker here is we have Trent on line one. Trent, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. So, Trent, here's the idea of today's game. I know you probably called back wanting some redemption, but your way to win UNO hockey tickets could be a lot easier this time around because you will be playing with two people. Two people will be playing for you against one other. So you would get to choose. If I'm given the clue, you have your choice between Ravi, Avery, and Shane. You get to choose two of them to team up and try to come up with the answer over that last person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, Ravi, you're going to go first, though, with your individual. So, Trent, you choose Avery, myself, Shane. Who are the two people you want on your team? <clears throat> All right, I'll take 
I'll take Andrew and Avery. <laughs> Smart right, man. Go. Smart man. Shane, you're go. on your own. So, Shane, you actually control if Trent gets these tickets or not. Uh-oh. That, that was probably not a good call there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Not a bad one. I have, okay. I have my person in mind. Ladies first. Let's go. Is it a male? It is. So and then you would give a guess. So ever, after you ask oh, every yeah, question, you, you'll give a guess. Literally every male under the sun. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, Get it right. LeBron James. It is not LeBron James. NBA was on the front of my Is it an <laughs> athlete? Sort of. Oh, great. Mike Ditka. <laughs> no, it is not Mike Ditka. <laughs> Shane. Is it a coach? It is not. <laughs> that wouldn't be Mike Ditka. <laughs> you got to make a guess, Shano. Um, sort of an athlete, uh, I'm going to go with, hmm, Larry Bird. <laughs> how are you, how are you doing Larry dirty like that? Called him sort of an athlete. Because he's not, he's, he, he, he doesn't play anymore. So he was an athlete. No, th- okay. That, no, it is not I think Larry he thought Bird. too much into that yeah, one. Not Larry Bird. Avery, go ahead. So it's a not a retired athlete? Is that what you're saying? Or? No, no, no. That's not a. That's not even a prompt yet. You can't even oh. answer. Sort oh. of. They okay. are sort of an athlete. Okay. But how are you sort of are an athlete? I guess I'll know when when it pops well, up yeah. there. Is he bald? Yes. Is it the Rock? It is the Rock. What? <laughs> Bam! How did you do <laughs> that? You are welcome. Let's go, Mavs, baby. Trent, you won. <laughs> How'd you go from sort of an athlete? Because when he said sort of an athlete, that's kind of who I think of. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think of him as this athlete, but actually more of an actor. But then he, like, puts on this, like, used to be an athlete persona. Yeah, well, okay, so he played at the University of Miami, right? (laughs) But But I don't think of him as that. I don't either. And that's why, I, I, you know, he's not famous for being a football player. If he would have said yes, I would have never gone to The Rock. But if you go, like, wrestling is, I mean, professional wrestling, I get their athletic. But I don't know that everybody's like, hey, that's a sports star, wow, you know? I'm, like, super impressed. With that hey, was incredible. Trent, congratulations. Thanks. Avery just won you the tickets. <laughs> uh, hang on the line. Hang and, on the line. And, and, Shane yeah. will get your information. Sound good, man? Yeah, it sounds like a plan. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Trent. I, I'm super impressed. How about impressed? that? Yeah. I was, too. Okay. Well, Avery, since you uh, just dominated, you don't get to play anymore. <laughs> you have to now uh, you choose have to your celebrity. Your I have my person. Um, okay. okay. And uh, we'll run through this again. Right now, Avery's got bragging rights. She's up 1-0 on everybody else. One Trent, some tickets. If you still want to call in, there's still that ability. Uh, 888-638-4876. That's correct. Warhorse Sports with Holland. That is correct. <laughs> Ravi, kick this thing <laughs> off. Uh, go ahead. Your first question to Avery. Okay. Is it an athlete? Nope. Meryl Streep. <laughs> Negative. <laughs> that was so. That was so quick. <laughs> Did an athlete? No. Meryl Streep. I don't know why I even thought of that. Um, is it a singer? No. Um, uh, Jennifer Aniston. Mm-mm. Shane. So you had no athlete, no uh, singer, no singer, and not Meryl Streep. Or Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> Very similar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If you say the same person twice, you have to do push-ups. Is she a politician? No. Oh. It's not my world. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, guess. Uh, uh, Kathy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Kathy Lee? <laughs> what movies are you watching? <laughs> it's a talk show. 
<laughs> I have no idea who that is, so no. He's the, like with Regis Philbin. It was, it was Regis Philbin's co-host in the morning. Yeah, no. Um, oh, we didn't have, is it a male? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> we went with three <laughs> ladies, yeah. and it's a male the whole time. <laughs> I thought one of you was going to ask it. I was just riding with my, my male. So it is a male, non-athlete, non-singer, non-politician. So I'm yeah. going to think actor here. Um, let's go with... Bradley Cooper. Uh-uh. Okay. Um, does he only date people under the age of 25? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it is not Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> There's my question. That's not your guess, though, so there you go. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Kevin Hart. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, what's your question? So what is, what is it again? Just run through it real quick. Not an athlete, okay. not a singer, not a politician. Male. male, male, and doesn't and not Leonardo people. DiCaprio. Yeah, it is not a Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. Uh huh. Are they? Are they on the radio? Um. Frequently. Uh, I would I would assume no, no. So that's not what that's, they're famous. For. Huh, no, okay. No, if they were, I'm sh- I mean, sure they probably do guest appearances <laughs> and stuff, but I no. So a male, not an athlete, mm-hmm. not an actor, yeah. not a politician and mm-hmm. they're not frequently on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> like they're not like a radio host or anything like yeah, that. That's not like gotcha. Howard Stern yeah. basically. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um Dickie V. Hmm. No, love oh, Dickie V. That's though. an interesting. That's a good one. Um is it an actor? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure we were guessing mm-hmm. a lot of actors. Right. Want to nail mm-hmm. that down. All right. So male actor it's really um, all you need. You don't need to go through the rest of them now. <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, Denzel Washington. Huh, no. Ooh, good. Mm. Uh, actor, actor. Is he above the age of 50? Sure is. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. That's a good question. Age is a good question there. Mm-hmm. Above the age of 50. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm, no. Mm, good one. Is he a comedy actor? Um. No, I would say most of his movies are not comedy. Not primarily. Yeah. Okay. Um, Kurt Russell. Mm, no. Going with Miracle, trying to get some. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> um, are they over the age of seventy? No. Okay, so we're between fifty and seventy. Mm. All right. Um, Brad Pitt. Mm, no. Okay. Good guess. Um. Okay, I'm glad I got a good one. Okay, woohoo. You do have a good one. This one's <laughs> tough. I was like, shoot, this one might be She's easy. too okay. smart for the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, is he married? Mm, uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Been married twice. I'll put it that way. Ooh. Oh, oh, I, I think I know it. It doesn't help me I think all. I know it. Okay. Uh, George Clooney. Uh, no. Doesn't, that didn't help me I think bit. he's only been married once. Mm-mm. George Clooney. George oh, Clooney. oh, I was like, Mm-mm. no, not the person that you're talking mm-hmm. about. Is I he an ac- action star? An action star? Ooh, yeah. So is he like in you know uh, police movies or s- that sort of stuff? Um, adventure um, movies. Y- yeah, more. Li- yeah. Is it Bruce Willis? Huh, no. Um. Okay. Is he in? Franchise movies, like multiples of a same. Um, you know what? Let me. Uh, my my. No. We may have to push this over to the next segment. <laughs> We're gonna keep going. Okay. Um, what do you think in RDJ? 
No, I was thinking Tom Cruise. No. Shoot. Oh, then yeah, I see what you're saying. No. All right, I'm, I'm taking my breather here. All right, we need to regroup. <laughs> Avery's beating us up right now. Got to regroup, come together. We'll figure this thing out. Coming up next, we will see if anyone can guess Avery's celebrity. I am so celebrity. bad at we'll give, we'll give away more stuff. You know We've what's got funny is I don't really know any famous actors really either. This is just one of my favorites. Just so. one person. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We've got more of it at Sports Radio coming up next as we wrap up the show. We are wrapping up the show here on a Wednesday, and Avery is thoroughly kicking our butts in our own game, which is always a little awkward with the guest here, but that's okay. Uh, so earlier, thank you. She's not much of like a real guest. She works with us. Yeah, so, right. And, like it's not that embarrassing. Um, right. Uh, earlier, maybe. Right. Well, it's, it's not embarrassing for me because I never go to the office, so it's fine. Um, but the earlier, Trent won tickets because Avery correctly guessed that I was thinking of The Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, Avery has stumped all of us with her guess. Here's what we know so far: it's a male actor. Okay. Between the ages of 50 and 70, mm-hmm. that has been married twice, mm-hmm. or is maybe currently on their second marriage. We don't we don't know if they no no married and divorced twice. Yeah. Okay, that's a little nugget she just gave us for free there. Mm-hmm. Um, not primarily a comedy star, Mm-mm. and sort of in action movies. Yeah. But not really in franchises. No. That's where we're at, and I believe it is Andrew Rogers' turn to try and, and you, you still call in. So it can't be it can't be Ben. Because he's, right, he's, in, he's in the Justice League franchise. We don't count those because those are trash. Okay. Huh. <laughs> Is this male actor African American? No. Okay. Okay, here, I'll give you a hint. No, 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 no. It's well, cool. he said franchise movies. Not franchise movies, but he's, all, he's in movies and also TV shows. And the TV show oh. is a series as well. So you have that at least. Oh. Not franchise and movies, but there's been a repeating season. I can so give you that not much. primarily... Oh movies but also in tv uh, i wouldn't say not primarily primarily movies, primarily but, movies but ha- yes television. and that one's repeated if you want to consider that a franchise uh matthew perry Mm-mm. shane i don't know if he's been married twice again i don't know people's like marital status right that doesn't really help you guys much but i think you guys asked so you said he wasn't a comedy actor no like comedy actor as in movies or in tv both both mm-hmm. so no charlie sheen hmm um, I feel like you guys are gonna like find and be like, oh, we're gonna yeah. kick ourselves. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I, I would hope so. Uh, I wanted to. Okay, I'm just gonna guess somebody here, and it's. I don't think he's in TV shows, but I wanted to say Matt Damon. Is it Matt Damon? Mm, no. Okay. All right. So here's. You said he's from your favorite movie. Sure is. Is your favorite movie a sports movie? Nope. Okay. But yeah. he is in a lot of sports movies. A lot that I know you guys have both seen. Ooh. What? Kevin Costner. Bang. Nailed it. Let's nice. go. I even mentioned Field of Dreams yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> is that what made you think mm-hmm. of it? Uh, no, my favorite movie is Dances with Wolves. Oh, okay. You said you would watch Moneyball every day. Yeah. And you could quote whatever it is, Get Smart. Mm-hmm. Dances with Wolves is my movie. Okay. Wow. There you go. The full Robbie three hours. I don't know. Unbelievable. Kevin Costner. But he's in Yellowstone. Yep. That was kind of my thing yeah, there. Okay. You yeah. guys don't Front get it. Mind. I'm not giving you guys it as easy as Avery gave it to us. She gave us like some unfair hints there. We could have been here for hours trying to get to Kevin Costner. Oof. Yeah. We really could have. 
That was rough. Some people said Yellowstone on here, and I was looking at the comments, and I was curious if you guys saw. I wasn't. I don't pay at attention the to the comments, especially for games, because I don't want people to give me like the answer. Okay. Especially if you were like, "Oh, somebody in the comments got it right," and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, great! I saw four names." <laughs> um, okay, we'll do. I do like two socks. Yeah. We'll Shout do out. one more. Um, great movie, Shumani Tutanka. My turn. So, uh, Shane, I'll let you kick this thing off. Uh, Robbie and uh, Avery each have a point. You can either steal a point here uh, and tie them. I already lost. I already have a fat goose egg in my <laughs> column. Um, or it's a battle between the two to my right, Robbie and Avery. Let's go. To win, guess who today? Let's play. Shane, go ahead. Uh, is, it a, is it a male? It is. Is it... Um, Going through the males. Shane, just name any male. <laughs> is it Napoleon Dynamite? It is, it's not Napoleon Dynamite, no. <laughs> For some reason, I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew's like, yes, yes, it is. Nailed it. Unbelievable. He got it right. <laughs> um, is it an athlete? It is an athlete. Okay. Okay. Is it um, Brock Purdy? No. Is it a current athlete? No. Um. Is it Matt Holiday? No, but we did get done <laughs> talking about him today. <laughs> Go ahead, Shane. What was the retired male athlete? Retired male athlete. Is give it him the Spark Nose version. <laughs> <laughs> is it a in? Is it an NFL? Athlete? No. Okay, so retired male athlete, not NFL. Is it Derek Jeter? No. Is he a retired baseball player? He is. Hank Aaron. No. Did he play for the Cardinals? No. Oh. David Ortiz. Nope. Uh, did he play in the National League? Um, he did. Is it Sammy Sosha? No. Was he a pitcher? He was. Oh. <laughs> Good question. No, I can't even think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Zach Greinke. No. Recently retired. Uh -huh. Great Zach Greinke. Um, Great. Is he a Hall of Famer? Um, yes. Okay. Retired pitcher, Hall of Famer. Nolan Ryan. No. Okay. Uh, did he win the Cy? Uh, yes. <laughs> I want, I Who's calling it? <laughs> <laughs> I Can they to, guess? I wanted to choose Nolan Ryan. Are you uh, able to look up on this thing? Hmm? No, I can't see who's calling. Oh, no. Oh, Shane has to answer, and then we'll yeah. be able to see. <laughs> no, I was saying, are you able to look <laughs> things up? Are you guys looking? Are you able to look things up? Uh, I don't. Look no, I'm up. not looking things uh, up. I'm yeah. just checking on our. Twitter I looked up if people were we... married after I guessed. Yeah, <laughs> but that's about it. Um, all right, so you you take you take you Shane's take Shane's turn, turn here. Okay. Um, Cy Young, Hall of Famer, retired pitcher. Mm -hmm. D did he play for the? I'm trying to think of who uh, the Braves. No. That's not even the L and and that's yeah, that's NL. Okay, that's NL. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Um, that didn't help me one bit. We're <laughs> <laughs> you thinking like Greg Maddox or <laughs> I can't even think of people right now. Um, 
<laughs> I might just have to look up NL Cy Young winner so I have guesses. <laughs> That's what I'm, I feel like I'm so – it's such a thin column I right mean, now. I wouldn't even focus that much on Cy Young. I would focus on, like, asking more general questions to try to narrow down to certain – either a team or him or things like that. Ooh, I've got a, I've got a question. I've got a question I can do. Okay. I literally have no guess outside of that. I just helped you that he's not on the Braves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, did they win a World Series? They did. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Hall of Famer, World Series. Roy Holiday. No. Oof. I felt good about Shane, that. Shane, back to you. Unless you want to pass on your turn. Yeah, this is unfair because I have no idea where you guys is he is he a New York Yankee? He was. Okay. And did he do saves? Can I ask you? <laughs> you can't ask two questions. It's, it's probably that guy, but I can't think of his name, so I'm gonna pass and I'll let the next person. It is not Mariano Rivera. Dang it! Because no. he played in the NL also, right? You said mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so he's played in both leagues, but I wasn't gonna give anybody that that mm-hmm. added bonus. Okay. 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 Ooh, I've I've got to guess. Has he, the Yankees too. has he been retired over 10 years? Holy moly. When was his last game? Hang tight. Yes. More than 10 years. Okay. Um, Roger Clemens. No. Did he play for the Diamondbacks? He did. Randy Johnson. It is Randy Let's Johnson. Let's go. <laughs> Guys, the Diamondbacks won yesterday. Come on. There we go. Well, I. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're the Diamondbacks. Uh, Real quick here. Uh, So, Robbie's your winner. Uh, Love it. Love to see it. Nice work. Um, Although Avery had the most impressive guess because she got it real quick. Out of what the heck? Like, it was what? It was like the third turn, right? Maybe. That was. Cause, well, no, because she asked you. At, she so started. The, yeah, so but she fourth. started with an easy question of, is it a male? Yeah. Like, so, so it was just, I say easy question, like one that didn't yeah. like give you didn't anything. Didn't help a ton. Although it, didn't, it did uh, narrow down it to half the population, which is helpful. Um, so that was, yeah, Avery had the best guess, but. I was hoping somebody was going to ask, did he kill a bird? I was going <laughs> to Te- say, yeah. Technically winning. I don't know. When I said New York Yankees, it seemed like it narrowed it down a lot. That's it did. Yeah. Actually, that did help because I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, I should have seen. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. you up too because I was down to Randy Johnson or Roger Clemens at that point. So that You're was welcome. good. Um, Half point. Real quick before we uh, wrap up the show here, let's get to Jamie real quick on the Warhorse Sportsbook hotline. What's up, Jamie? Go ahead, Jamie. Hey, guys. Uh, Appreciate the show, and I uh, really appreciated that last Friday segment about the, the translations. I helped Andrew out, and I knew how to work out. Yeah, Jamie, thank you so much for that, because I would have been in a world of hurt if I was trying to do that on my own, so I appreciate you. Yeah, my high school Spanish teachers would not have been impressed <laughs> with me, but <laughs> we do appreciate your help, Jamie. Yeah, maybe next Friday you guys could try, try translating and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. It's not going to go well. <laughs> I get made fun of already no. enough. <laughs> Just wanted to ask you guys quick about the injuries. Um, I know in the preseason they changed that practice field from that field turf to grass, but most of the injuries it seems like have actually happened on the field turf. So uh, it seems like an odd year and very high number. I'm not a doctor, but uh, do you guys think it has anything to do with that? Thanks, guys. Appreciate hey, Jamie, it. Appreciate it. Um, I guess for me, like you know, yeah, they they switched the fields. It could be a 
it could be hard to like get used to one thing and then play on another. Like that's something yeah. I thought about a little bit when they first put it in. Coach Rule said one of the things is like they focus so much on non-contact injuries in the offseason and almost all of them have been contact. So that's what it may just kind of be unfortunately the nature of it. But Yeah, with the contact injuries, those are harder to protect against and they're a little bit flukier. So I don't think it's surface related with contact injuries, but uh, it is a fair question whenever they change playing surfaces like that. And obviously that's been a big deal in the NFL as well. Avery, we appreciate you coming and hanging out. And uh, hey, thanks for kicking our butts. Kicking our butts in, hey, the, uh, <laughs> in the Guess Who game. Uh, we'll see you again next week. More for Red Sports Radio tomorrow on AM590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR and Lincoln.